Hi. Hello. And welcome to Your, Your Grandparents, Grandparents Did What? what? That's Rachel Storniello. And this is Maggie Wafter. Welcome to our show. Welcome to our final episode of the season. <sighs> yeah, man. I know. Here, it's cheers. Actually, cheers. Yes, we did it. Love you, girl. That wasn't even that wasn't a good sound. It was. They're nice good. insulated cups. Keep our drinks cold down here. As but. if we're drinking them that slowly. <laughs> Doesn't even get a chance to get warmed up. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry, calling us both out. <laughs> yeah, our last episode of the season. Yes, I mean it's good timing, honestly, because we're about to go into like Christmas yeah. and New Year's, and like the kids are going to be off, and it's yeah. like a crazy time of year. So yeah, we couldn't have timed that any better. No. So it actually works out well for us, and then maybe we can get our shit together <laughs> and start recording for season three. Three. Yes. We haven't even talked about it. Are we doing a season three? If I, I'm doing this until you get rid of me, and I don't think you're getting okay. rid of me. So I cannot emotionally. No. no. So. All right. Well, then we'll do season three. Yes. <laughs> this is the meeting. <laughs> actually, we have a great list. I'm like yes. So yeah, I think excited we're have to have some really fun stuff. Yeah, I think season three is gonna be fun. Um, if you guys, as always, if you have any ideas about stuff or any cool tidbits or something, yeah, like send it our way because maybe we can turn that into something and credit you or whatever. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, we'd love any ideas, any input, any constructive criticism. Mm. Remember um. like a, like a double <laughs> compliment sandwich. You know, I was thinking, I was like, should we bring back the fact check in season three? You no, know, I did. I've been thinking about that throughout this whole season. The problem is, is we're so, we've been so delayed. We basically are just now catching up. Like this is the first time we're recording. I think it's the first time we're recording and releasing an episode yeah. in the same week. That's true. Yeah, so, so it kind of was awkward how yeah, we like could before do... we were boom, 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 yeah. booming. We'd have to like, well, I don't know. We could all the air. <laughs> have this as an actual conversation, not live on our show. Yes. Well, listen, if you really liked it, let I us did know. like the fact that. Yeah, check. I liked it too. Is there sometimes I'm listening to us and I'm like, what the I mean, there's fuck been several times I've say? listened and I'd be like, I wish I could fact check that. <laughs> all we'll right. See. So okay. we're talking about. Oh, yeah, today we're talking about childhood vaccinations, vaccinations. Yeah. But like the history of yeah. some stuff. Um, so we're going to talk today about smallpox, polio, and then measles, which yeah. is tied into MMR, but measles really. Yeah. Uh, the measles component of yes. MMR. Um, which are some, like. We have some listener recordings we're going to play. Yes. I'm like so just like we did them. the last one. I'm really like that. Yeah. Uh, the way we did that. And I'm hoping we haven't listened to them yet again. Yes. Yeah, so, so we're, we're hoping, hoping to be stunned, surprised. Crying. We have we have like trauma uh, tissues here for crying. <laughs> Lots of wine. We finally figured out that we should bring tissues down because I know. we cry pretty much every episode. Yeah, no, I cry all the time. So, well, yeah, generally. <laughs> okay. um, our donation station this oh, week yes. is UNICEF. Uh-huh. UNICEF relentlessly works day in and day out to deliver the essentials that give every child an equitable chance in life, health care, immunization, safe water and sanitation, nutrition, education, emergency relief, and more. Yeah. I mean, we think that um, equitable distribution distribution of vaccines is really important. And yeah. clearly, like, we're, we're seeing the fallout from, of yep. that with COVID right now. We're like, it's just never going to go away until, until there's everybody. like, yeah. What's the saying? Um, nobody's safe until everybody's safe. Is that a saying? But yes. Sure. I'm just, I made it up. (laughs) No, I heard it somewhere. I'm not that smart at all. (laughs) I mean, yes, you're not wrong. Right? Like if, you know, until everybody can get the vaccine and we can all have it, then we're all at risk. So UNICEF, UNICEF. And our um, kids are getting their second shot tomorrow. Yes. Well. So it'll be December. So most of our, two, two, or I'm sorry, three quarters of our kids are getting their (laughs) shot tomorrow. I still got that one straggler. Oh, poor little thing. One day. Yeah. Soon, hopefully. 
I don't know when, but Aww. hopefully, yes. So, okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump right in. Let's go. I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> let's stop Let's it. start with smallpox. Yes. Okay. Hey. Okay. So we're going to approach this week a little differently. Rachel and I are doing the same content, I guess. And we're yeah, gonna we're like kind of vibe off yes, each other. Yes. So we're going to we're going to catch a vibe. <laughs> we watch too much TikTok. <laughs> you watch your mouth when you're talking. <laughs> I, yeah, well, true fair. Um it's this like whole episode is going to have a very um your podcast will kill you vibe. This podcast, not What their, did I say? Their, their podcast. podcast. <laughs> This podcast will kill you, but well, their podcast yes. is the podcast that will kill you. But the name of the podcast, the name of the podcast. Yes, we we desire to be Aaron's, but alas, we will never be Aaron's. <laughs> we are not Aaron's. We are Maggie and Rachel, but we are like highly influenced from their podcast. That's yes. so going to have that kind of a vibe to it. So, all right. So, I'm going to start off by talking a little bit about what smallpox is. Was um, so smallpox is an infectious disease caused by one of two virus variants, um, variola major and variola minor. Um, really quick, I'm just going to stop you right at the top. <laughs> when I was doing my research, I never realized there were two. I didn't either. Um, like components to it. And I'm like, how did I miss that? I didn't know that either, to be honest. Like two virus strains, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, damn, am I an idiot? I'm going to blow your okay. mind even more with this next oh, sentence. Okay. <laughs> Within these two types, there are different presentations of the virus. You have the ordinary type confluent, ordinary type semi-confluent, or the hemorrhagic. Um, okay. What is confluent? Just just the... No, hard no. to say. <laughs> is it just the pustules? <laughs> I honestly don't know. Because hemorrhagic is like... That's like pretty deadly. I guess yeah. I guess it's like... Loud. Yeah, the hemorrhagic is 90 to 100% mortality. <laughs> oh, that's not good. But the other ones are, like, not great either. I no. mean, the but you ordinary have a fighting type, chance. it's 50 to 75% fatality rate. For, so, I mean, smallpox oh, that's not good either. not great. No. So, it's super contagious. It's spread two ways. It's airborne and contact. So, it can be spread in the air mm -hmm. by someone, like, coughing or sneezing, mm -hmm. and the particles get in your mouth or your eyes, um, or the discharge from the rash. Wait, so not a lot of... Viruses do that. Didn't we talk about this in yeah, chicken so pox? Chicken pox. Yeah, you're so smart. Look at you. <laughs> Dr. Rachel over Dr. here. Dr. Rachel. <laughs> Let me wrap my small blanket around my shoulders. You're, you're, just, you're wearing like a little shoulder shawl. Um, yeah, exactly. So this is unique to not a lot of viruses have multiple modes of transmission. Okay. So this is what, what makes it super contagious. Um, it's most contagious once the rash is present, which did help with controlling outbreaks. Yes, because there's there's a good indicator. Yeah, of like obviously like once stay you have a rash, the fuck away. you stay yeah. away, right? <clears throat> um, so the risk of death after contracting the disease was about thirty percent, with higher rates among infected babies. Of course, mm -hmm. I mean, sad. Which with with anything that's always right. Yeah. Um, those who survived had extensive scarring. They could have blindness. I mean, even if you survived, you a lot of times had like yeah. comorbidities from yeah. it. Um, so symptoms. What did it look like? So your initial symptoms were fever and vomiting. Following the fever, you get the formation of ulcers in the mouth and then the skin rash. Over a few days, the skin would turn into the characteristic fluid-filled blisters with mm. a dent in the center. Mm -hmm. The bumps then scabbed over and fell off, leaving the scars. Um, the cause of death from smallpox at the time wasn't entirely clear. Like, we had a really high mortality rate, but you think about it, you're just like fever, rash. Like, Wait, but... So we know now that the infection is known to involve a lot of multiple organ systems. So so you go into organ failure? Yeah, I mean honestly they 
weren't doing, and this is my personal assumption is since the pus was so contagious, I'm assuming once you died from it, oh, they yeah, were, they were just like, like burning your body. Yeah. So because <clears throat> it was still contagious even after death. Right. Exactly. The so there okay. wasn't a lot of, I'm assuming like tons of autopsies done. Yeah, but there also, and there generally and that wasn't time, a there lot wasn't. of autopsies. And yeah. now it's not like a virus that's circulating. Well, but yeah, it's not wild. <laughs> right. So yeah, I don't think they, they know that there was a lot of organ involvement. Exactly what that was. Because there's just not a ton sense, of research though, on because it. Because it's no longer like we're not something people it get. A lot. Right. So the type of research that would be done now can't be done because those bodies yeah. are long dead and buried. Yeah. I didn't ever really think about that. I didn't either until I did this. And I was like, huh. Like, and if you were just literally like throwing bodies in like yeah, burn chambers yeah, yeah, to get yeah, rid yeah, of them yeah, because yeah. it was so contagious. Damn. It would make sense. But they know now, I guess, from just studying perhaps like yeah. different diseases that may have been similar. Yeah. Like they now know maybe there was like cardiomyopathies mm. or different sorts of – What is that, heart? Yeah, like your heart can get yeah. inflamed. How oh, dare you? That's so smart. <laughs> <Wired> cardio. <laughs> yes. You're like basically a nurse now. <laughs> I mean this podcast basically. I could probably be, you know, like a – You could a be like a – CNA, yeah. right? <laughs> Here you go. You're a CNA. God bless CNAs. I love them. Yeah, I mean, I, I would not. Yeah, they're doing, they're like, doing really the Lord's yeah, work. Yeah, they're like really pulling the weight. <laughs> um, so a little bit about the smallpox vaccine. This is a picture of the needle. So this is a very But different... that's not actually a needle. It's not. So It's like a fork. It's like a pokey jabber. It looks like um <laughs> It looks like a little um like crab fork. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what it looks like. Yes. Like when you're trying to like pick yes, the meat out of like yes. a crab claw. Okay, so the current formulation of the smallpox vaccine is a live virus preparation, which that's fucking spooky. It I mean, is. I don't like that. I'm like, stand <laughs> vaccines, but that spooks me out. Yeah. So the vaccine is giving, this is a bifurcated two-pronged needle. So basically you dip that little needle. We're going to post this picture on Instagram. So yes. if you would like to look at it, you dip the needle in the smallpox vaccine yeah. live virus formula. Mm -hmm. And then you, um, do you know why it's two instead of just like, I think it just needs to like make a sore. Like it's it needs trying to, make to get a like wound. a bigger, like rather than just like a little tiny hole. Yeah. Okay. Makes I don't sense. think it necessarily has to do with like two. I mean, it could be five. But it's trying to make think, something They probably bigger. tried it honestly with one, yeah. and it, it probably didn't get the enough in enough there. in there. Mm -hmm. So they're like, "Fuck, we need to add two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you prick the skin several times in a few seconds, and then if successful, you get this red itchy bump that develops at the vaccine site in three or four days. Um, in the first week. The bump becomes a large blister, which fills with pus and then begins to drain. During the second week, the blister begins to dry up and the scab forms. The scab falls off, leaving a small scar. And mm -hmm. after that, you are then have immunity to smallpox. Yeah. Nice. Yes. I mean, good. Um, do people still get smallpox vaccines? Do you know? I do know. Oh, okay. are, are do you, you about tell to tell me? Are you about to say that right now? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Um, that's, yeah, why don't, I mean, that's kind of like all I have to say about okay. what the virus was, a little bit about the vaccine. Do you want to take a little break and you can come tell us a little yeah, bit we'll about just, the history? We'll, just, we'll do some uh, podcast magic. This will seamlessly transfer to you, but we'll <laughs> yes. uh, let me pull my research up. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of smallpox and then the smallpox vaccination. So this is obviously, there's so much info. Yeah. This is really hard for me to like condense this. <laughs> so I hope I don't miss anything super important because I was like panicking about. You know how factual and perfect our research is. <laughs> <laughs> we essentially are like history yeah. PhDs. Yes. So um, we did talk a little bit about smallpox 
when we talked about chickenpox because for a long time mm-hmm. like smallpox chickenpox and measles were like hard to right. differentiate between um but anyways so um smallpox is believed to appeared in around 10,000 BCE and the first agricultural settlements in northeastern Africa mm-hmm. how they figured that out I believe Google or whoever told me this. So, um, and the earliest evidence of skin lesions thought to be smallpox were found on the faces of Egyptian mummies from between mm. 1600 and 1000 BCE. Um, so, I mean, that makes sense of where the location yeah. of where they thought it would be. It, it was known that smallpox survivors were immune. Um, and around the 5th century BCE, survivors were nursing the sick. So there's evidence of that, mm. that they actually knew. I can't get this anymore. Once I have. Oh, yes. interesting. So they caught on to that. They're not total idiots about everything. Or little <laughs> history sweeties. <laughs> so smart. Um, so smallpox was introduced to the New World by Spanish and Port- Portuguese conquistadors. Um, and the Aztecs and Incas were absolutely devastated by this novel disease. Mm. I mean, it truly wiped we out. had no supportive care whatsoever. I mean, and, and it was novel. So there is no... There was no natural immunity. No, nothing. Nobody. Hmm. What does that remind you of? Oh, well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Except for this is 75 to 100% <laughs> deadly. That's true. Um, early settlers in North America did the same to the native populations there. Um, and this is a large reason why Europeans were able to easily, quote, conquer North America. Right. Um, I feel like our narrative is always like we came in with our, like, Christianity and guns and, like, superior whatever and were able to kill these people. But no, the disease that they brought over literally, I mean, they wiped out millions and millions and right. millions of I mean, people. it had literally a 75 to 100% I mean, I think I, I think I remember reading before, like, not associated with this, but reading before that, like, 90% of the native population in the Americas was killed by a disease. Wow. Fuck. Like, just fucking devastated. So, it's real easy to take over a country oh, when the, the entire... Guilt. I know. <laughs> Um, and smallpox was even used as biological warfare, which we've like heard specifically, not just like "oopsie daisy" brought over disease. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Is that they how knew it what they were doing? Oh yeah, they they probably pretended that's what they were doing, and that's definitely I feel like what we learned in school. Like, oh no, our bad. Yeah. Oh, we didn't realize you guys could get this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the 1700s in Europe, uh. 400,000 people died annually from smallpox. Wow. And the fatality rate was somewhere between 20 and 60%. And I'm assuming that probably is like has to do with the strain and whatever. Um, But fatality rates in infants were as high as 98% in Berlin in the late 1800s. Oh, my God. I mean, that's basically like, that's horrible. So many babies. So um, before vaccination, there was inoculation or virulation. Those are interchangeable words. Mm-hmm. Um, so inoculation for smallpox was either taking a small amount of fresh ooze, which I'm guessing is definitely the scientific term. I don't know what you would call that. No, I would say fresh ooze. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Would your nursing degree say that? Wait, can I tell? Um, you can tell whatever you want, baby. <laughs> I used to work with a nurse. I think I've told you a story before. She used to chart stuff as like describing like a wound or something as pussy. Oh, yes. And yes. she would like... P-U-S-S-Y would be like all in her notes like 10 times. So I'd be like, pussy, 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 pussy. I was like, like I am. I was like, I am very mature. Um, Okay. So taking small amounts of the fresh ooze from the pustular and pustular infected person 
and placing it subcutaneously, mm, yeah. which is basically what actually they. I mean, that's use. like they didn't get much better <laughs> no. science when they actually did the vaccine. Um, or they would ground up scabs and blow them up your nose. Mm-mm. Don't like that, Rachel. No. <laughs> <laughs> right up the nose. Just a little like toot of smallpox. Um, so inoculation does have a mortality rate of around 0.5 to 2%, but clearly I mean, that is better a than much 98 lower or, rate. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the first definite reference to smallpox inoculation was actually published in China in 1549. That's like, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not, I feel like I know who Edward Jenner is, which obviously we're going to talk about. And I feel like that's a person I heard of, mm-hmm. but I never heard, like never knew that there was really like this whole prehistory, yeah. whatever. So variolation was brought to England by an English aristocrat, Lady Mary Wart- Wortley Montague. And this is her looking like a fucking boss bitch. Yeah, I she love is. her. Look at her hand on her She's hip. like, look at my turban. Mm. <laughs> She's wearing the same kind of shawl as you were yeah. now. <laughs> I'm sure hers was quite a bit more expensive. Um, so she was disfigured by her own smallpox infection in 1715. And mm. she was apparently very beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So her husband was appointed as the ambassador to Sublime Port, which was in the Ottoman Empire. I guess it was like the seat of the government in the Ottoman Empire in 1717. Um, and she here she was told about a method of variolation at the Ottoman court. Um, she ordered the embassy surgeon, Charles um, Maitland, to inoculate her five-year-old son. And upon her return to England, she had her four-year-old daughter inoculated in the presence of physicians of the royal court. Mm. And this inoculation was then practiced on six prisoners at Newgate Prison. Hmm. Mm, not great. Mm-mm. And then six months later, it was tried on orphan children. Mm. <laughs> In all the demographics yep. there. <laughs> prisoners, orphan children. <laughs> um, due to this success, Caroline of Anspach, the Princess of Wales, had her children inoculated in 1722. So, I mean, it has to be pretty good, like, results if they're going from, like, orphan children and prisoners to, to, like, royal children. Literally, the Princess of Wales. So that's the next in line. Like, her children would be then, like, well, I guess third in line, not next in line. Yeah. Um, And the procedure then became popular with the general public. Um, One minor issue was, though, they, since it was subcutaneously, they would cut each other. Um, They often were giving each other diseases like syphilis. (laughs) I was going to say, they because were not they were washing basic, anything. Yeah. Because they were taking pus and blood from other people and putting it in your body. So you were often getting other bloodborne diseases. Yep. Hepatitis, syphilis, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But I guess. Almost there, people. I guess syphilis, though, like you might. It's like they die. Almost, you might lose your nose and go mad, but you'll live a lot longer. It's like they like like understood germ theory, but they were also like, <laughs> nah, we don't really need They're to. Like, something works. We're not going to even question it. Yeah. So it's kind of me with vaccines, though. I'm like, listen, somebody tells me it's working. And there's results. Whatever is happening is happening. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's much better now, obviously. <laughs> well, because there's like sterilization <laughs> techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was literally like they were like this person has smallpox. It wasn't like they had a lab. They were like replicating oh, stuff. Oh no! They're be like, like this hey, person you, has Bob over here. They need their fresh some... pustules. Yeah. So, poor guys. Um. So then now we're gonna move on to Edward Jenner, and I do have a person to add to your lady uh, history lady spank bank. <laughs> I don't know. You don't like him? I don't like him. Really? You do? Yes. Well, Look at we, him. We have different tastes in history men. <laughs> Okay, well, I have two more, so we can uh, – uh, not in this one, but we'll see. Give me Hillary Kaprowski. He's like, <laughs> let's 
get to him. <laughs> we'll just do, let's see her. I, I mean, I would give him like, I'd give him like an eight out of 10. What were you, really? He's like a six. What? <laughs> we're going to have our first fight. <laughs> Okay, and let us know in the comments. Yeah, please see who's right and wrong here. What you think Edward Jenner's yeah. level of hotness yeah. is. What is the poll on Instagram? It's like, yes, I'll do, I will do a poll. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so Edward Jenner was born on May 17th, 1749 in Berkeley, Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire? Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> in in the uk okay um and at 13 he apprenticed with a country surgeon um and an apothecary and it was there he heard a dairymaid say quote i shall never have the smallpox for i have had cowpox i shall never have an ugly pockmarked face because that was odd and obviously that was like a sign of yeah it being so in may of 1796 jenner found a dairymaid sarah nelms with fresh cowpox lesions on her hands and arms and using the ooze from her lesions he inoculated an eight year old boy james philip or phipps i'm sorry um and in july jenner inoculated him again but this time with smallpox and he never developed smallpox Mm. this is also a drawn of her um the cowpox cow yeah i yeah. forgot about cowpox you're that's you're jogging yes. back to my like this um is... germ theory class <laughs> yeah. i had to take like in the beginning of school so yeah um i mean it's i don't know how obviously it's uh, i mean i guess it's better than prisoners at newgate i don't know who they never clarified who yeah. james pips is but so in 1798, he published um, an inquiry into the causes and effects of the variola vaccine, um, variole vaccine, a disease discovered in some of the Western countries of England, particularly Gloucestershire, and known by the name of cowpox. Mm-hmm. That was the full report's name. Wow. Um, and the Latin word for cow is vaca, and and so cowpox is vacaina. Mm. And Jenner decided to call his new procedure vaccination. And so this is where we get the term Shut vaccination. Up. It's I from never cowpox. knew that. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so interesting. Yeah, thank that's you. That's truly where it comes from. So, all of this vaccination. I love it. That's a yeah. cool fact. Um, by 1800, the use of vaccination has spread to most European cities, and the first smallpox vaccine uh, was in 1799, administered by a friend's of Jenner's. Um, Jenner Jenner never made any attempt to profit off this vaccine. He actually spent much of his time that his private practice could have used um, and his personal life also suffered. Mm. So British Parliament granted Jenner uh, uh, 30,000 pounds over the course of a couple of like grants basically to honor his work. Jenner was not the first person to use the cowpox to inoculate against smallpox, though. In fact, at least six people in England and Germany had successfully tested using cowpox to immunize for smallpox. He was, however, the first to pursue its scientific investigation, publish his evidence, and distribute the vaccine freely. Like, he literally would send it to people all over the world. Mm. Um, And from the authors of the uh, World Health Organization, who, obviously account on smallpox and its eradication quote publication of the inquiry and its subsequent energetic promog prom promulgation what word is that <laughs> i didn't even read this very well whatever uh, by jenner of the idea of vaccination with a virus of other variola virus uh, constituted a watershed in the control of smallpox for which he more than anyone else deserves the credit yeah so wow so then we move on to um, the vaccine implementation. 
in the U.S., a vaccination was regulated by individual states, okay? Um, unlike like some places like the country, whatever. Mm. So in a 1902 outbreak of smallpox, Boston ordered all residents to be vaccinated. Um, and a Cambridge pastor named Henning Jacobson objected, saying, quote, he and his son had bad reactions to earlier vaccinations, and he was fined $5 for not complying. Mm. Um, in 1905, his case reached the Supreme Court, and in a four, I'm sorry, in a 7-2 decision, the court decided that the law did not violate the 14th Amendment. The court held that, quote, in every well-ordered society, change with the duty of conserving the safety of its members and the rights of the individuals in respect to his liberty may at times, under pressure of great dangers, be subjected to such restraint to be enforced by reasonable regulations as the safety of the general public may demand. Real liberty for all could not exist under the operation of a principle which recognizes the right of each individual's person to use his own liberty, whether in respect to his person or his property, regardless of the injury that may be done to others. Mm -hmm. The court held that mandatory vaccinations are neither arbitrary nor oppressive so long as they don't, uh, they do not, quote, go so far uh, beyond what was reasonably required for the safety of the public. So obviously I wanted to include that because I feel like we're living in this world right now mm -hmm. of like people bucking against mandatory vaccinations in their code freedom. So there's over a hundred years of Supreme Court precedent. This is, there's other ones, but this is like specifically related to smallpox. Mm -hmm. And so people trying to be like, this is just like Germany, mm -hmm. Nazi Germany, or like my freedoms, I can do what I want. You don't have the, your your liberty ends like at your own body. Mm -hmm. So you don't have the right to tell someone else to do what they will with their own body. And so obviously with communicable diseases, if you don't get vaccinated, you're telling someone what they can do with their own body. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's important to like, remember that yeah. this is not, this is, I mean, history repeats itself. Yes. I mean, if we've learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Jugs of wine. Okay. <laughs> wine. <laughs> but it just is, First of all, I think most people who are making those arguments don't actually understand any of this. And like, if I read this to them, they would be like, wait, what? Because mm -hmm. they don't understand any of that. Um, but I just think that like one of the unfortunate sides of this country is this like rugged individualism that we've somehow aspired to being like the most important thing rather than like a sense of community and like others. And like, I don't know, it just really bothers me. I mean, I know you agree. <laughs> preacher. <laughs> I know. I, and I'm sure everyone who is still listening to this podcast also agrees with well, that. I, I mean, I, was, I saw something. It was like the people, the same people who are not wanting to get the vaccine because it, you know, quote, you know, violates their uh -huh. freedoms are the same people who would be like, I take a bullet for my country. 100%. Where it's like, well, would but you take a vaccine yes. for yes. your country though? Yeah. Like, can you just You're do that yeah. <laughs> instead? Yeah. Please. Yeah. I mean, this is like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how you get through to people like that. <sighs> I don't know, Rachel. I don't know the answer. Well, I uh, <laughs> I actually have – that's a good segue, though. Okay, that's what so, I like to talk about. Okay, magic of podcasting. <laughs> Coming back. Okay, so this kind of blends very nicely with what you were just talking okay. about. Um, I'm just going to read a little excerpt from, I don't know, some history something. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Cite your sources. We do so good at it. It was like history.com. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, so at the turn of the 20th century, the United States was in the grip of a full-blown smallpox mm -hmm. epidemic. It's literally perfect segue from what I just spoke about. Mm. Look at us. Finally, 10 episodes in. <laughs> Get 20 in. episodes in thank you get in the groove <laughs> um during the five-year outbreak from 1899 to 1904 the government or i'm sorry government health officials confirmed 164,283 cases of smallpox but the real numbers may have been five mm, times as high yeah. to slow the spread of the highly infectious and often deadly virus there was a nationwide push for smallpox vaccination in cities and states with the worst outbreaks vaccination was compulsory and official mm -hmm. certificates of vaccination were required to go to work attend public school ride trains or even go to the theater mm -hmm. The mandatory vaccination orders angered many Americans who formed anti-vaccination leagues mm -hmm. to defend their personal liberties. In an attempt to dodge public health officials who went door-to-door, -door, often with a police escort, to enforce vaccination laws, um, some anti-vaccination activists would forge certificates of vaccination. See, we're not even we're not even going door-to-door. -to -door. We're like, listen, you just can't go to a fucking restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Okay. So <laughs> this is so funny. I did not. It's so, so interesting. What's well, so funny too, that like, this is clearly this outbreak is what that dude was trying to get away from. Like this is the same outbreak that's happening that I just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Exactly. Um, court case. Yep. But then we just both glommed onto this thing. That's like, see, see, there is a fucking history of yeah, this. Because this we country. talked about all this yes. research last night and I went back and added this. And I was like, Oh, oh really? Yeah. Cause I today. Didn't even, I just like, we like, we kind of glossed over yeah, it. Yeah, because we were trying. I was like trying to not do the same stuff, but also not give you all the information. Yeah. So unable to tell if certificates were legitimate, health officials fell back on physical evidence. They demanded yeah. to see the vaccination Yeah, because that's an easy one to show. Yep. So in 1901, respected physician Dr. James Hyde of the Rush Medical College in, in Chicago uh, wrote an editorial, editorial urging public health officials to do everything in their power to eradicate smallpox yes. and proposed using the vaccination scar itself as the sole entry ticket or passport yeah. to civic life in America. Yeah. So Dr. James Hyde wrote, quote, vaccination should be the seal on the passport of entrance to the public schools, to the voters booth, to the box of the juryman, and to every position of duty, privilege, profit, or honor in the gift of either the state or the nation. I mean, I don't know what this doctor looks like, but in and my both. mind, he's a 10 out of 10 <laughs> in the lady history boner. Do you and have a picture look, of him? No, but no. this is just a picture oh, yeah. of People officials to show in their New York arms. City. Yeah, they had to like pull their sleeve mm -hmm. to show they had the smallpox. And th they, this went on to say that some assholes even like burn their yeah, arms with like yes. nickels to avoid getting it and be like, see, I have this. I mean, listen, there's always going to be. <laughs> I'm out of me. Yeah. <laughs> people <laughs> okay people will do literally anything just to like, there's always gonna be oh, so, ah, someone's always gonna yuck on our yum fuck, <laughs> okay. fuck i fucking hate everyone okay let's well let's, not everyone's raining in okay eradication <laughs> <laughs> okay so in 1959 the who started a plan to eradicate smallpox uh -huh. in 1967 this intensified um the program basically relied on, you know, the ability to produce more vaccines, higher quality, mm -hmm. able to be freeze dried, mm -hmm. able to travel. Yeah, because I guess if you're just using pustules, that's a harder thing yeah. to get to like 
remote communities. And like if it has to be a live virus, I mean yeah, viruses are yeah. fussy. You yeah. know, like they don't want to be living in like a certain yeah, yeah, temperature yeah, yeah. Or, or certain lengths of time. Yeah. yeah. So it is hard True. to kind of transport that. So they had to kind of figure out, you know, keeping it freeze dried and keeping mm-hmm, it cold. Mm-hmm. And it probably only had a shelf life of a short so yeah. anyway, they had to kind of figure all that out. Um and so in 1975, three-year-old Rahima Banu from Bangladesh was the last person to have naturally acquired variola major. Here's a picture of, I believe him. I think it's a little boy. I can't be certain. No. Uh, well, it, child. Yeah. Look at them. Um, three-year-old Rahima Banu with her mother. Oh, God. Oh, there you go. The way I read this. <laughs> she was um, the last known person to have naturally acquired smallpox in the world. And in 1977, Ali... Mao Malin from Somalia was the last person to have naturally acquired variola minor. So there's okay. two different yes. lasts. Yeah, well, <laughs> last major, major last minor. minor. Um, in 1978, Janet Parker was the last person to die from smallpox. Um, and finally, in May 1980, the WHO declared smallpox eradicated. The smallpox vaccine is no longer available to the public. Okay. You asked this question Yeah, I earlier. did. Okay, yes. I, yeah. I, yes. Um, in 1972, routine smallpox vaccination in the United States ended. In 1980, the WHO. I guess, I guess our parents have. They do, yeah. They should be, right? Because they were kids, you know. Yeah, no, I would obviously. text my parents and be like, do you have a smallpox vaccine <laughs> They could have scar? a smallpox scar. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. Sorry, continue. My I'm- mom said she remembers going to, like, the public health. Because I called her this week because I have, like, a weird vaccine scar. I was like, mom, yeah. what is this? <laughs> what is like, it? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> I also like, I thought she documented like every she sickness does. she ever had. I was like, what is this? She's like, mm, it's hard to know. So many of you guys. Um, <laughs> but, There's uh, three of you. I know. It's really not that many. Because <laughs> we're all close in age. She's just yeah. like fucking tired. Um, but she says she remembers going down to the public health office to get, I think it was, yeah, it must have been like smallpox or been, one yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. But she said they had um, sugar cubes lined up. So after you got your That's vaccine. polio. Oh, was it polio? Polio is sugar oh, cubes. Oh, sugar cubes. Yes. Because yes. you had to eat yes. it, I yes. guess. Okay. They so put she, it on they put it on um sugar cubes. Sugar cubes, yeah. Okay, that's what she was telling me. She remembered. I swear I was listening, mom. Sorry. Not <laughs> that she listens to this. <laughs> Your mom prints out pictures and mails them to you. So I don't think she's figured out a podcast yet. I mean, Bonnie, I love you. <laughs> no shade to Bonnie. I know. Love her to death. Um so yeah, I mean, we don't need this vaccine anymore. <clears throat> excuse me, because it was fucking eradicating yes. people. So like yeah, it's that's it's actually amazing. I mean, this is a, yeah. such a big undertaking. People were dying left and fucking right. Yeah, I mean, that's a crazy high mortality rate. And like in this time of the Which world is so for them to, to figure out vaccine and yes. eradicate a disease yeah. when there was no internet, yeah, yeah, there was yeah, no yeah, 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 yeah. like to easy access get all even that stuff to, I mean, implemented. Think yes. about now like scientists in China can pick up the yes. phone and like call mm-hmm. the United States or whatever yes. and be like, "Hey, I'm working on this. Let's work on it together." In this time, I mean, you probably had people like reinventing the wheel over and over yeah. because they heard, there was such a lack of being yeah, able but that's to communicate what, but to like, scientists. I know I feel and, like we haven't talked as much about this season, but I know like last season we were big on public health. And yes. like this is this is public health implementation. Like you can do all the research in the world and develop all the vaccines in the world, but if you don't have public health mechanism to behind yeah, it, to implement it, it and to have a plan, like sure, it's fucking easy to go in the city of Philadelphia and be like, everybody's got to be vaccinated, but to go to like every village, town, area in remote areas of like Nepal or like out back in Australia or whatever. We're seeing it now in Africa. I mean, there's such a low vaccination rate in Africa, and that's why we're seeing variants pop out of there because 
I mean, it's multifactorial. While there's yes. not a lot of vaccines in Africa, it's not just because no, but it's, it's rural. But and that's also part of public health in general. It's right. like addressing all of those issues. Right. We're back to standing. Well, not we were always standing on public health, but I we're mean, back to publicly proclaiming <laughs> our love of public health officials. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. So okay. that was kind of our little John on smallpox. Yeah. I mean, we're there's gonna... obviously it's a super, super, super rich history of stuff. And that's just sort yeah. of the like little. It is actually interesting um, and just fascinating that, I mean, we won't have, I mean, how many generations are left that actually will have had smallpox? Like, it'll get to a point. I mean, we, uh, when was it eradicated in the like U.S.? Like, in the 70s? In the 70s in the U.S.? Uh, yeah, yeah. 1972. Yeah. I mean. So, I mean, we're like. I don't know anyone that. We're like 50, 40 years away from. I, would, I don't know. Not even knowing I'm anybody who's about alive if, who has if we pox. know anyone that knows anyone even. Like, I don't know. I, I, that thought literally just came to me. I was like, wow. Like, like I wonder if we, I texted my parents if they would know. I mean, like, my grandparents probably would have. Yeah. Maybe, but, like, maybe they I knew. can't ask them any questions. Exactly. Like, it's going to be Like, get that Ouija board out and be like, <laughs> Grandma Jan. <laughs> it's my religion. <laughs> All right. We are going to have a listener. Oh, yes. Okay. So now we're – yes. So now we're going to go um, – we sent we we sent out a call for people to sort of talk to us about their experience with their children getting the COVID vaccine. Yes, um, and so we are gonna we have three different um, fan submissions, fan friends, friends. submissions. <laughs> <laughs> we can call them fans, but truly they're friends. <laughs> Thank you guys, we appreciate you. Um, friends and fans. So we're gonna listen to it. We haven't listened to it yet. We're gonna listen to it and then plug Cry it in the on episode, this and um, we will. Um, See we'll you on the other side. Have a little conversation. Yes. I feel like I've been anxiously waiting since day one for the kids to be vaccinated. Um, I just kept thinking, oh, I just, I'd rather me get sick than them. And it felt good when um, the parents were able to be vaccinated, but it's just one thing um, less to worry about. Um, we've missed so much, missing family, seeing friends. Um, having anyone over at our house, <laughs> um, just that just really hugs in general, any sort of being close to people. Um, I've really missed seeing my kids being with their grandparents. Um, that was just a, a really tough one. Um, how do we explain COVID vaccines to George? We told him that he was helping his friends and community by getting a vaccine because then he wouldn't um, spread it or he wouldn't get others, you know, sick. Um, we said that he was really helping out and being a, um, I think he got a sticker that said a superhero of immunity and um so that was really exciting for him they did that for for me um yeah we have one child who is old enough one child who is almost six but a younger child who is two um I feel like I really can't wait until he gets the the vaccine and then I just will try I'm a worrier but I'll try not to worry as much I'll feel like uh, just a huge relief um just can't wait for that and what can I know 
I think I just can't wait to not worry so much. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible, but it uh, feels like it's just been a very long time of just worrying. Okay. Megan. So. <laughs> I just want to hug you I so know, hard right now, I Megan. Know. Oh my I, god! I get the joy of seeing Megan like almost every day at school. It is lovely. But um, thank you, Megan. Uh, when you said hugging, yes. No, I have something else. What? <laughs> I'm even earlier than that. Like her second sentence, <laughs> she was like, "I just would. I wanted me to get sick and not them." I know. Oh, that I triggered know. like such a primal oh. like <laughs> feeling in me because like yes, you know, you just yes <sighs> that. Yes, I hadn't true. remembered yes. feeling like that yes. in a while. I, yes, you know, it's kind of gone away, even though it doesn't feel like we're actually. It's like it's more like background noise at this point. Like yeah. I feel like before, like we were able to get vaccinated, and I felt like everything was a threat. Yeah, that feeling was like so deep. Yeah, I know. And then like, I mean, like the hardest part of all this really like has been like the simple things. Like it's like whatever we're sitting in your house and like not doing as many things, but like. The things you miss out on and you don't know the like yeah what time you're gonna get back with people i think it's been hard to like especially since it's been going on for so long I like know. seeing kids with their grandparents like i know. she said not being able to see her I kids know. with with their grandparents yeah. and i mean it's like stolen time it's really stolen time like yeah. it's they're growing up like this is gonna be two years before we know it <laughs> i know i'm like we're almost there. Yeah, we're almost at two years, and a lot of our—I mean, our I mean, that kids grow a lot. Basically, this time two years ago is when the rumbling started. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, then, like, I don't know that I do. I will. We laughed really hard at the "I'll try not to worry" parts because we're right there. I'm with you with that. I'm a high, high I will worrier. try not to worry her, but. <laughs> well, you know what? It's one of those things that. Um, you know, when I was a new mom, I was very anxious and worried about like every little thing. Yeah. And then the worry went away. You know, your kids yeah. get a little older, they're resilient. You know, you stop worrying. You maybe have a second kid. You feel like yeah. you're really cool. And then the world goes and goes into a fucking pandemic. <laughs> and and just all like of that. So, worry and then it's times, like yeah. you get back to that point and it's so fatiguing yeah. as a parent to live in that constant yeah. worry. I mean, Ben had to get a COVID test today. <sighs> yeah, He's I been mean, Cameron sick was the past couple of days. Cameron was quarantined last week. And we literally showed up to school and the principal's like, please leave. You know, so it is just, yeah. it feels scary to just have that. Um, I almost want to equate it to like, you know, if you're sick with like an underlying condition or something where you yeah. kind of always live with this fear of like, okay, I can enjoy my day-to-day -day life. Like, you know, I'm still doing things and yeah. my kids are smiling and we're having good days, but I just feel now it, you can't get comfortable, right? Like any yeah. day, like somebody could get sick, a grandparent, uh, some, you know, we could, yeah. the, all the cards could fall. And I don't like that feeling. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't want it to go away. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you, Megan. We Our, love you. She's like an OG granny. So we appreciate she your support is, forever. She is one of the like number one immediate fans. <laughs> so we appreciate, we appreciate you in your own book. And I appreciate you giving Colin snacks literally Aww. every day. He just sees Megan. And he screams and that's how you know you're snacks. in. <laughs> and she always has a snack. Aww. So that's the kind of friend Megan is. Yes. We love you. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, God. Okay. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Why do we do this? I don't know. We do it to ourselves. Uh, polio. Polio. Let's talk about polio. <laughs> okay. Polio is a cute word. I think. You do? I think that if polio is not a disease, we would see like little girls running around like or little boys. I bet there's polio. someone named polio. You think so? Yes. Do you know There's else? people named like chlamydia. <laughs> I was literally just going to say. 
<laughs> I think chlamydia is a pretty name. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't like the most prolific STI, I think we'd have little chlamydias running yeah, around. There you go. Okay, so polio is an infection caused by a virus, a polio virus, which is a member of the enterovirus genus. So I only say that now. Okay, I was to say that literally to give means context to COVID nineteen is a in the coronavirus genus. Okay, so there are lots of coronaviruses. Is polio a coronavirus? Polio no. is an enterovirus. But what, but what so why? Uh, like norovirus is an enterovirus. Okay. At like there's. um. What What is it? It's like, a GI. It's like a. Oh, wait, because what's your polio can go through. Got yes. it. Okay. So that's kind Motive, of how. Yes, got it. it. Yes, okay. Like where it lives in your body. Thank you. Makes so sense. So I only make that. Yes. I give that to you here because like, yes, we don't see polio anymore, but we still have enteroviruses. So it's yes. like. That mm. makes sense. Because I, I, I don't think of polio in the same bracket as like an um, like a other gi bug yes would be but it is it is transmitted okay and that's why like the beginning got it like covid went from being the coronavirus to covid19 because we were like guys we can't drag down all the coronaviruses (laughs) (laughs) there's lots of them got it okay okay so poliovirus colonizes in the gi tract um it also can live in oropharynx which is your nose or intestine so it's Mm -hmm. kind of like the two places you will have symptoms originate from Mm -hmm. so the incubation period ranges from three to 35 days which is a very long incubation period all things like can compared to other yes you know viruses so when you're infected you can be walking around for almost a month spreading polio and are you infectious without having symptoms but you're infectious before you like that whole incubation Mm -hmm. period you are infectious um it also is, so it's polio is spread by fecal oral route or yes. oral oral. So it can be, um, so like spit. Yeah, it can be spread through like sharing food yeah. or contaminated water, yeah, contaminated yeah, yeah, yeah. food, um, or by aerosolized droplets. So also someone who's sick with polio, sneezing, coughing. So a lot of ways. It's a lot very, of ways. Uh, it has a long incubation period. So you can shit. spread it for a while and it's spread multiple ways. So. Um, in endemic areas, like due to this, we just talked about the high transmission rate, mm-hmm. the long incubation period, it can infect, it can infect virtually the entire population, like everybody in a community, in a town, mm. like in a, like yeah, they can yeah, all just yeah, yeah. have polio at the same time. It's not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's three different types of polio, polio one, two, and three. They seem to be all very contagious and the same symptoms. They just must have like slight variations. Mm-hmm. Kind of yes. like what we're seeing with COVID, like Delta, like the wild strain, Omicron. Yeah. We're seeing differences in like the infectability. These seem like they were all pretty much the same. Okay. So they really didn't differentiate them very much. Um, so symptoms, as I mentioned above, it can either colonizing your upper respiratory tract or your GI tract. So you could have symptoms that start like sore throat, fever, cough, congestion, or GI symptoms, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, belly Mm -hmm. pain. Uh, Most people with a normal immune system, polio is pretty much asymptomatic. Yeah. Like you really won't have many symptoms or any symptoms at all. Um, Paralytic paralytic polio occurs in 1% of the population. And this occurs when the virus jumps from the GI tract to the the central nervous system. So when you think of like polio and people laying in iron lungs, you're thinking of the paralytic. Yes. Do you know how? I don't know exactly what the mechanism is of it jumping from. Like why or how it just is bad shitty luck. It probably has to do with maybe like how much of a viral load you have. Like if maybe you have a, and I'm totally guessing here, I could be really off, but my educated Listen, this thought. is I believe in you. This is my I believe you face. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Um, it could have to do with like how bad your immune. So like, mm-hmm. are you immune suppressed at that time? I, I bet there's a lot of different factors, but yeah. I don't know exactly why. Seems like it's just partially maybe just bad luck. Um, so early symptoms of the paralytic polio include high fever, headaches, stiff neck, weakness, difficulty swallowing, and loss of reflexes. Um, about one to five per 1,000 cases will develop into this paralytic polio, which like doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about how contagious and how mm-hmm. widespread, like one in five out of a thousand, we're talking yeah, I mean, about if you, if you're literally hundreds is, of thousands of people. Yeah. Yes. It becomes yeah, a lot if more. If it's like common. super, super, super contagious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if only a thousand people were ever getting it, you're like, yeah. okay, two people got this yes. rare side effect. But when like entire populations yeah. are getting sick, those numbers start to add up. Um, so infants who develop this central mm. nervous system, paralytic polio, they do really bad. They get encephalitis, Ugh, swelling yeah. up the brain, like seizures, they have very high mortality rate for that. Um, there's no cure for polio, only supportive treatments. Um you know, I mentioned above, yeah. you know, the iron lung. This is where we get this negative pressure ventilator because you basically become – Because you can't – your, like, involuntary muscles are no longer working. Correct. Is that the issue? Okay. Yeah, like, you become essentially paralyzed. So, I mean, a negative pressure, you kind of you can become there. paralyzed and still – Like, you can be, like, your arms are paralyzed and, like, your legs, mm-hmm. but, like, you can still breathe on your own. Right, because that's, like, a spinal cord injury where it's, like, your spinal yeah. reflexes. Okay. But you can also but this have is a neurological certain paralogic- issue. You can also be paralyzed and need like ventilator support. I guess it really just depends where you're paralyzed okay. at. Um, and okay, makes this sense. This is like whatever smooth yes. muscles. I don't know. Yeah, that's deeper in the rabbit hole than we can go down. <laughs> it's bad. Yes, we still give the polio vaccine for ch- to children. I think in yeah, we talked, we asked in some other episode, and last then Laura, season. Laura, no, it was this season. Laura was like, "Yeah, you get them." <laughs> Some episode we were like, do we still get polio? I was like, no, I don't think so. Yes, yes you do. We got a text from Laura. Yeah. like you absolutely fucking do. Thank you, Laura. We appreciate you keep us in, keep us. We appreciate you listening and keeping us in check. Um, so it's the IPV, which is funny because like I have said to parents, I'm like, oh, your child's getting their IPV today. Like I, I mean, I have an infant. Like he's <laughs> must have gotten this, but they literally tell me. I always ask, despite the fact that I give getting whatever they're giving me. I know. And then between like me asking Dr. Fisher and like the nurse coming in, I'm like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> so it's inactivated polio vaccine yes. is what it's called, and you get four doses of this, so you get like multiple of them. So this is truly embarrassing for me then. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to talk about some history of polio and polio vaccine. Great. So um, there is evidence of polio in ancient mummies. Oh. I don't know how they find that. Is that like a viral virus that they can still find? Or is it maybe like – because I'm assuming it couldn't just be like – My guess is you could probably see from like muscle atrophy. Yeah, but there are probably other things that had muscle, muscle, muscle atrophy. I think some viruses they can like – Yeah. Right? I maybe – I don't know. Anyways. What do I look like? A fucking uh, – Yeah, the epidemiologist. Paleontologist? I don't know. <laughs> paleontologist? <laughs> Dinosaurs, you fucking mummies. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, so but the U.S. didn't have its first polio epidemic until 1894, um, and in the 1916 epidemic, the role of asymptomatic carriers was recorded by the public health service. Mm. And during this epidemic, more than 27,000 became paralyzed, and more than 6,000 died. So it was a fairly large epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt famously contracted polio in 1921 when he was 39 oh, right. and he was left paralyzed in both legs. 
Um, and he would go on to help found the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis. And this was later called the March of Dimes. Oh, interesting. I honestly did not know that the March of Dimes was associated with like, I polio. I think either. it does more than that now. But it's I guess more that's like now origins. I know of it of like premature babies. It's like, yeah, but very... I think it has to do with like childhood illness. Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. Interesting. Yes. So you're coming in hot with the fun facts tonight. Um, yes, you know, I, I love FDR. My my dog's name was That's Delano. Right, Delano. After Franklin Delano Rosa. It wasn't just like R. random. He, I know. He, he was a good he was a great idiot dog. dog. <laughs> um, in the same year, the iron lung was also developed. So in 1935, Dr. John A. Colmer um, tried a live attenuated vaccine um, on monkeys and then later in school children. And his it was like a brave jump. <laughs> it worked on monkeys. They're about the same size as children. Um, and his methods were described as, quote, hair raisingly amateurish, the therapeutic equivalent of bathtub gin. Fucking hell, yes. man. Um, he had no control group. Obviously, if he's jumping <laughs> from like monkeys to children. Fucking chaotic. Yeah. He distributed 12,000 doses, um, 10 or more children ended up with paralytic polio and six of those children died. Uh, yeah, that's bad odds. Not great. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, little kids. Um, and at the same time, Maurice Brody and a team at the New York City Health Department tried an inactivated vaccine first on 12 monkeys and later on 10,000 children. But after the failures of Colmore's vaccine, Brody's vaccine research was discontinued, mostly because he didn't have funding anymore. Okay, 12 monkeys and then how many children? 10,000. <laughs> 12 monkeys. 20 monkeys. Okay um crazy but to be fair i it seems like the enacted vaccine is a safer better way to go about it but i think after that debacle in the same year they were like oh absolutely pump not. the brakes guys We'd rather these kids just get fucking polio yeah um so in a study of the american journal of hygiene in 1947 it was published that for every 100 asymptomatic cases of polio there was just one symptomatic case oh wow um but more recent research thinks that number is more like 72 out of 100 will remain fully asymptomatic. So some people get polio and get like very, very, very mild symptoms. Yeah. But this is what you're talking about. Like it has crazy asymptomatic transmission, which makes it really hard. It, with, at least with smallpox, people have fucking pus coming out of their yeah, body. Yeah, you can tell who to avoid, yes. like how to stay away from it and protect yourself but a little bit. No, but people are spreading it like yeah. asymptomatically like crazy. Wow. Um, so by the late 40s, the number of polio cases were increasing, um, disabling more than 35,000 people every year. This is in the U.S. alone. Um, and in 1952, there were 58,000 new cases of polio and 32,000 deaths from the disease in the U.S., wow. which is like crazy. I, didn't, yeah. I don't know that I realized it was quite that much. No. Um, and in 1949, John Enders at the Children's Hospital of Boston um, was able to cultivate the polio virus. And this paved the way for the development of the vaccine. Because huh. it's a little hard to create a vaccine to distribute without some cultivation of the actual virus. Mm -hmm. um, and Enders and his colleagues were awarded the Nobel Prize in physiology or medicine for their work. I'm like having a thought. I can't. I might misspeak here. But um, that's all right. Henrietta Lacks. Yes. Tequila cells. Uh -huh. I believe that those cells helped. I think it was polio. I think that her cell Isn't line. That later, do you remember what year it was? I really don't. But okay. it was it was one of the big vaccine. Yeah, but I is it was in the fifties or I think was it that was the maybe 60s? in the fifties? No, I want to say the fifties. Okay, well, I only wrote a paper on it. Way to go, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
this is going to lead us to Jonas Salk, which is, I personally, this is, he's a nine out of 10. He's a daddy. <laughs> deeply attracted to him. Yes. Okay. Good. I will We're on the same page. Yes. Especially the stance. Yeah. He's, like, he's got his power mm-hmm. stance, his little white lab Love coat. It. I'm into that. Yes. Okay. Good. I'm glad. Rich zaddy energy. <laughs> yes. This is definitely zaddy energy. <laughs> He's like, um, ma'am, I invented polio vaccine. It's like, I'm not coming for you, no. little grossos, in the future. Okay, so Salk uh, studied viruses at NYU um, and had helped develop flu vaccines during World War II. And in 1948, he was awarded a research grant from FDR's National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, and he began work on his vaccine. Uh, Salk's vaccine was different than previous vaccines as it had used a weakened version of the live virus. Uh, uh, his vaccine was killed or inactivated. And this is called the IPV, inactivated yeah. polio vaccine. Yep. Yep. So in 1953, Salk began testing on a small number of former polio patients as well as himself and his wife and three sons. Um, I I don't think that, I don't know that they would let you test on your wife and your three sons anymore, but... <laughs> I have to share something. What? Hela cells were okay, used by Jonas very- Salk. <laughs> okay. There you go. To test the first polio vaccine wow. in the 1950s. You are a history buff. No, I'm, I'm a not. doctor. You're a history <laughs> buff. This is going great for us. Sorry. And there you go. That's okay. I just couldn't. I thought it was in the later that, um, but there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So when he announced his success, he became an instant celebrity. And then I have another little picture to show you. This is like literally, well, that's some of the vaccine stuff, but this is like, Papers on yeah. papers. Yeah, he was like about the, him. Oh yeah, people. He people was the in the 50s. Agreed, he was a zaddy. <laughs> he was the Anthony Fauci of his time. Yes, except for more of a zaddy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Fauci. Fauci good. gives me like that, like he's good, good dad z- energy. Dad, no. Zaddy is more, dad is that we're in creepy tattoo. No, 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 not dad. No, just like okay. I'm not attracted to Fauci, but I feel well, like I'm he attracted was like, to Salk. So this is what I'm saying. This is different. <laughs> Fauci gives me just like a warm hug. I agree. Yes. We stand Fauci also. <laughs> um, so in 1954, the IPV was tested on placebo-controlled trial. Ha-ha. Very good. Yeah. Like it. Like all those words. <laughs> um, and they enrolled 1.8 million children in the U.S., Canada, and Finland. Uh, most of those people were the, like, the control group, yeah. but they were enrolled in the study. Good. Like how you should actually do. <laughs> like how research should be done. Uh-huh. Um, and the results of this trial were announced in April 1955 on the 10-year anniversary of FDR's death. The Salk vaccine was 60 to 70% effective in uh, PV1 and over 90% effective against PV2 and PV3. Mm. Um, After the vaccine was licensed in 1955, mass vaccination took place and the number of cases fell in the U.S. from 35,000 in 1953 to only 5,600 in 1957. So literally in like five years. Um, And by 1961, there were only 161 cases. Dang. Yeah. It's almost like vaccines uh, like work. work. <laughs> Long pause. <laughs> Big eye rolls. <laughs> During an interview, Salk was asked who owned the vaccine. And his reply was, well, the people, I would say, there is no patent. Can you patent the sun? And he never patented this vaccine. Fucking yes, Jonas Salk. Mm-hmm. Now I'm even more turned I on know. by you. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that helps my 10. Yes. I knew that was coming. <laughs> you knew that. He bumped from a 9 to a 10. You're a 12, honey. <laughs> um... And in, uh, but in 1955, soon after Max vaccinations began, um, reports of children experienced paralysis also began. Mm. These cases were traced back to Cutler, 
I'm sorry, Cutter Laboratories. More than 200,000 children had received batches containing live active strains of poliovirus. Oh, no. Yeah, this caused 40,000 cases of polio, 250 of which were paralytic and killed 10. Yes, not good. Um, And at the time, there was little government oversight into vaccine manufacturers. And obviously, this changed after the Cutter incident. Well, you hate to hear that it had such a bad outcome, but happy to hear that they actually made like some... Yeah, regulation is, like, important. Mm -hmm. Like, it is. There should be government oversight into this stuff. Yeah. So, um, now we're going to, not quite of much of a zaddy, but he's a soft zaddy. Oh, who is this? Um, this is Dr. Albert uh, Sabin. He's like a six point five. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm here with you. He's. He's giving me kind of like he's a little arrogant. Yes. He's got like he's like holding a pen. Like or what is he holding? I think he's holding like virus. <laughs> holding a live virus. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I feel like he would like he's ignore a, me and treat me like shit, which well, would make me he's like him got more. A strong nose, which you know I like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he looks like he would treat me like shit, and yeah, I would well. be like into it. That's fair. <laughs> this is revealing a little too much about ourselves. <laughs> Not anymore. I'm in a very healthy relationship now, but just looking at my... But listen, things happened in the 2000s we don't need yes, to talk about. we don't need to go there. Okay. So while Salk was working on his IPV, virologist Dr. Albert Sabin, Sabin, Sabin uh, was working on a live attenuated virus. And in 1963, Sabin's oral live virus vaccine, the OPV, was approved for view, use. Um, this version was cheaper and easier to produce, and it quickly replaced the Salk vaccine. Hmm. Uh, 1972, Sabine donated his vaccine strains to WHO, and this greatly helped the vaccine's availability in developing nations. Mm-hmm. Um, the OPV does carry a very small risk of paralytic polio, um, one in about 2.7 million. But if you're vaccinating literally the entire world, like that's not a small amount. Yeah. Um, and for this reason, Salk's vaccine is the only version given in the U.S. since 2000. Okay. Um, and it is still used in many parts of the world, uh, but the WHO's po- global polio eradication initiative plans to stop its use once wild polio is eradicated. Interesting. So I guess it's easier to transport, easier to mass dose, which is, um, this is oral, right? So this is, when you're talking about the sugar, cube? sugar cubes, Ah, this is what you're getting instead okay. of a shot. Got it. Which is the um, IPV. IPV. Right. We only so, use IPV here because the oral one has a higher chance of Yeah, so the IPV breakthrough. Yes, the IPV obviously got some bad press with the whole cutter thing. Um they fixed that and they fixed better. that. Yeah, that was just like a manufacturing oversight. Um but this is easier to transport to more remote places. So that's the why the sugar cube one. Yes. Yes. So that's why probably your mom got the sugar cube one because she probably was getting it in the 60s. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, she was born in 1950. Late 50s. Yeah. Yeah, so in the 60s, she was probably getting yeah. it. So she probably was getting this one because they were like, well, don't give those other ones out. Yeah, because. And now they've come back around to it. So interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. I know, and I feel like I should have called my parents. But like, what's your experience <laughs> with these childhood? Because, like, they were actually getting vaccinated in these For times all, where, yeah. yeah, these things were. They were still, like, in. I mean, I had a fourth grade teacher who had a limp because she had paralytic polio. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she walked around, whatever, but, like, she had that, like. Yeah. She had a very uneven Un- gait. And it, yeah. she was not super old. I mean, she had a kid who was a year older than me in my school and one that was, like, maybe two or three. So, yeah. It's not like she was like the decrepit old teacher, yeah. Miss Renzier, my fourth grade teacher. Wow, one of my fourth grade teachers. Yeah, I mean, it's. We're, I mean, it's. It's just crazy to me to think that we're like a couple generations away from. We're literally not even a couple. We're a generation away. Yeah, like people right. like I had a teacher that had polio. Yeah, 
who was not 800 years old. Right. So. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Well, why don't you finish this up? Sure. So where are we now with polio? Mm -hmm. The U.S. has been polio-free since 1979. Okay. And it's been eradicated in the Americas since 1994. The fact that it has that many asymptomatic cases and also has been eradicated since the 70s, like, is pretty awesome. I'm really proud of scientists and science in that generation because it was really a time – I mean, you think about it, like – that's a that's huge set, in the 1900s, like yeah. in the year like 1900, we didn't even really have germ theory yet, right? We were still <laughs> <Barely>. just like <laughs> figuring using dirty ass knives to yeah. amputate a toe and do an episiotomy <laughs> in the next room. Like yeah. it was truly that bad. And then you jump to 70 years from there, yeah. they yeah. have eradicated yeah. a like an yeah. epidemic. Like yeah. it's it's really crazy how um far they came. Uh so in 2002, it was eradicated in Europe. Um, the wild polio virus types one and three are still endemic in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, the type two wild polio vi- polio virus strain has been eradicated globally since 1999, and globally cases of polio have decreased to only 140 worldwide in 2020. So that's pretty amazing. essentially like you know it's almost, I mean they're obviously still almost eradicated, but yeah, that's. Good science. Yes. God bless science. Very good job. And like everybody took the vaccine. Like it didn't yes. seem yes. like there was, I mean, I'm sure if we looked into it, I'm sure there was anti-vaxxers in this as well. I mean, I guess they've been around since literally the beginning. I mean, no, they've been around since like yeah, smallpox vaccine. When, I just need to show off this guy though. Oh, okay. This is Hillary Kaprowski. He did the first I, vaccine. That I mean, you yes. into this guy? I think he's so handsome. Okay. He's fine. I would not kick him out of bed, but... Rachel, you think he's just fine? Yeah, he's fine. Uh, like, 8 out of 10. Mm. I would even say, like, 9 out of 10. What? What are you saying? Like, 6. <gasps> we have to have... Hot or not! You have to have... <laughs> hot or not! Yes! Oh, my God. You have that, that fucking show. website? Okay. We're going to have a we're gonna have a lady boner poll. <laughs> we're going to have a hot or not on old scientists. Um, I should tell you what he did. So, he... Uh, back to vaccines for, like, two seconds. Um... So he, like, developed a vaccine in the early 1950s that was okay. attenuated. So it was, like, him, Jonas Salk, uh-huh. that other dude, mm-hmm. Sabin, 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 whatever. Yeah. Sorry. I I did actually look up how to say his name, but those things leave me immediately. Sabine. I'm sorry. So we'll, you guys will have to vote on this, like, hot or not um, old polio <laughs> yes, doctor. <laughs> okay. We're going to go to another listener friend yes. um, yeah, recording. Let's let Liz Should talk. we give a little more details on, like, what we asked our people to send us in? I mean, we just asked them to talk about their experience with uh, – you wrote the actual questionnaire, yeah. but you actually sent them a little questionnaire. Yeah, we just wanted people to answer, like, tell us how it's been getting the vaccine, mm-hmm. how are you telling your kids about it, mm-hmm. like, what's your experience waiting for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's hear what our – let's hear what Liz has to say. Yeah, let's hear. Hi, I'm Liz. I live in Texas, and I have a 7-year-old son and a 10-month-old daughter waiting for the COVID vaccine to be approved for kids in my son's age range has been a bizarre experience. Um, We have probably been a lot more restrictive with what we've been doing than a lot of other Texans have. Um, I feel like culturally the state as a whole has been pretty open. things have been open for months and I know a lot of people have been not restricting their activities at all um, with you know sometimes horrific 
horrific results. This summer was pretty bad um, with the positivity rates in my community. And that's been really hard, especially on my seven-year-old, because he hasn't had an in-person play date since March 2020. And he frankly cannot wait when he talks about being fully vaccinated that's the thing that he talks about is he wants to have a friend over to play inside with his toys that's the big thing he talks about um there's a lot of big things you know that we've missed too um I have a dear friend who happens to host one of my favorite parenting podcasts who, um, you know, we've known each other almost our whole lives and we've both had babies since this all started. And even though we've seen each other, it was at a time when rates were so high that neither of us felt comfortable um, being around the babies and, you know, interacting with the babies. And so that's been pretty awful. Um knowing that those babies are going to be so big before we ever get a chance to meet them. But when it comes to my son, it's pretty sweet, I think, that just the thing he wants is not something really big. What he wants is to just play inside with his friends and his toys. Um, we've explained the COVID vaccine to him quite often. Um, we got a book about vaccines that explains it um, that was really helpful but frankly we've just been talking to him about it and how vaccines work and since we knew that there would be a COVID vaccine we've been presenting it to him as something to look forward to something that will make us safer and make our life easier and something that is not an option in our household um you know, my husband and I both got vaccinated the first moment we could, and so did our son. He received his second dose yesterday. Um, it will likely be spring before the baby can be vaccinated, and that sucks. I'm really looking forward to my whole family being vaccinated, but I just keep trying to look at it as another layer of protection for her, um, having my son fully vaccinated. Um, he, between friends and being so young and uh, going to school, probably has sort of the widest range of possible exposures um, of anyone in our family. And so uh, the likelihood that he can bring something home to her now is so much less, which I'm really thankful for. The thing that I'm looking forward to once both of my children are fully vaccinated is being able to freely see people that we haven't seen since this all started. Um, hopefully traveling some. That's something that I have a hard time imagining feeling safe doing until both kids are vaccinated. Um, but frankly, it's really the little things more like my son is interested in. It's just feeling safe, playing with friends, seeing people, um, getting together with people regularly, and not feeling worried or feeling like we have limitations on where we can be or um, you know, needing masks if we go inside or anything like that. All right. I love y'all. Thanks.
Oh, okay. my God. <laughs> I haven't yeah. had a good cry in a while, and this is, like, <laughs> which really hit me. Yeah, I, I feel like I emotionally needed some cries. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Liz is, like, my best friend from growing up and home, um, and it's weird. It's just hard for me to, like, think about the kids. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. And our other best friend lives in California, and so, like, the last time we were all together was – April of 2019, like right before I got pregnant with Colin. Yeah. Um, and a little bit before, like a year before Liz got pregnant with Edie. Um, and, you know, our, all of our first kids, we all met, like they came when Cameron yeah. was three months old. We met John when he was like three weeks old. Um, we went out to California when June was, I think three months old also. And I have like an almost two year old. Mm-hmm. It's that's what that my two best friends like being in forever. I I mean, I'm over 20 years of friendship, and yeah. they have not met my two year old. Yeah, that's really hard. Yeah, you know, it's it's that <laughs> stolen time. Yes, I mean it's, it's like, the same like conversation, but yeah, I feel like that's really the what same it is. As, like it's the same as the grandparents not seeing it. It's like also friends that yeah. you haven't seen. Like obviously, yeah. we committed to a bubble like I know. very early on. And we were able to see each other because, we but were like, like we also also knew like we were like we are taking a risk with this, yeah, and like it was a risk reward thing, and everybody has to make those different decisions. And I feel like yeah. part of that was none of us like outside of each other were seeing a lot of people, like, right? Like we committed to be ourselves or just at home, either yeah. working or dicking around. <laughs> some of us working, some of us dicking around, and then our partners were yeah. all working from home, right? So it made but sense. I, Liz's, Liz's yeah. husband works in a hospital. So yeah, I know for to, them it's been harder to like – they had to restrict couldn't really pod, right? What she said about John just wanting to have a play date. <laughs> that's it's the sim- so, like Cameron too. Cameron just like – I was going to say that goes down I've the heard list. it with Cameron of like all the people they want to have a play date. And I remember mm-hmm. when we were doing outside play dates for a while. I remember we would meet at the Fallen Tree. Yes, we talked about it last I season. Know. Like there was a big willow tree that yeah. fell at a park here in Fishtown. And we would all meet there and – that was where the kids were able to play together. And uh, yeah. I even brought a basket of magnetiles there one yeah, day. Yeah, you did. Because so I have a good normal that's what the kids wanted to play. do, right? Like they didn't – they wanted to play not running around yeah. like playing tag. Like they wanted to sit and like play Barbies or mm-hmm. build or, you know. And I remember lugging this big thing of magnetiles like into this park and jumping it out in a blanket <laughs> and being yes. like, what is life? You uh, know, yeah. like where – but you just – that's being a parent that's trying to make things work and trying to keep it normal for the kids. Like it's just, it's it's one thing to ask that of yourself and it's so much to ask that of your children. I know. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, now that they've had our, my kids have had a few play dates, like really just with our kind of like, I would still call it a pod. And we're still still basically seeing the same three people. Yes. Three families or well, it's four of us total. Four that families like, that we all gone into each other's houses and just are like, okay, this is what it is. Yeah, it's like we really haven't seen like, anybody else. We've like, dropping my cry napkin. You see our desk right now. It's like a bottle of red what? wine, and a bunch of used snotty tissues, uh, glasses that have been put to the side. Yeah, we all took our glasses oh, off. Oh, thank you, Liz. That was yeah, you were very you, you were very tame oh, talking about was, Texas too. I know. I can feel your rage though. Well, it was hard. Like I went to Texas in August. And when I booked the tickets, I, things were sort of like it was like right after. Right, you had it was like a, I was like okay, yes, things, things are, are okay. And then Delta popped off. 
and, and Texas I is like, like turning. <laughs> I don't know, and I was like, I don't know, I shouldn't even go. I felt terrible for even going. It was the first time I'd home in like forever. Yeah. And Liz and I, like, we sat on her porch. Like, I didn't even go inside her house. I wore a mask to pee inside her house because, yes, that's fine. Like, I mean, you have to do what you have to do to make it work. So yeah. it's just weird. I it's yeah. weird. So I'm going in December. I guess Omicron or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> Omicron gonna, can eat a dick. Uh, it's going to fuck everything <laughs> up again. I know. Like, just trying to go home and visit people. I know. Okay. Well, thank you, Liz. I, I love, love you. you. Actually, wait, I was going to say, I haven't heard Liz's voice in so long. It's like I have like a personal relationship with her from like liking her Instagram photos and stuff. But I'm like, oh, I've heard yeah, I mean, her voice in like forever. I mean, probably since, seen her in, since Cameron was little. Right? Yeah, like she came to visit when Cameron was a baby. Probably that like three month visit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Six years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was, yeah, they came... They came because they were there for Leo and I's anniversary because they watched Liz and yes, Katie yes, watch yes. Cameron while Leo and I went to dinner. Yeah. So, yeah. Memories. Mm. Okay. We'll be right back. Bye. So, measles. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> Measles, baby. baby. <laughs> Ooh, we could do like a kids' pop, and it's like a science pop. Cameron has discovered kids' pop, and so now he's like, "Okay, Google, play kids' pop spooky songs." So, like, fuck. Emerson likes kids' pop too. All right, so measles is a highly contagious infectious disease caused by the measles virus. There you go. There you go. Um, initial symptoms start like most viruses: fever, cough, runny nose, red eyes. Um, two to three days after those symptoms start, you'll start to see these small white spots called coplic spots inside the mouth. It's like very characteristic. It's almost like ulcers. Is that just associated with measles? Yes. Okay. It's like a very classic. And okay. they're like kind of on the gum. Like it's not like a typical ulcer where you're just like one here, one mm-hmm. here. Like they kind of show up in a specific way. Okay. Um, three to five days after onset, you'll start to then see a flat red rash that starts on the face and spreads to the rest of the body. And you had mentioned it earlier about how measles, smallpox, and chickenpox yes. were kind of like very convoluted for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, smallpox looks different because it does kind of have that like pucker in the middle. So you can very easily tell like a mm-hmm. full smallpox sore from chickenpox or measles. Um, measles and chickenpox can be a little bit more difficult to differentiate from. But what I was reading is um, the measles vaccine, or I'm sorry, the measles virus starts um, on the face and spreads down. Okay. Whereas chickenpox starts on the extremities. Okay. So it's kind of like the way the rash presents, you can okay. tell the difference. So Fair. just a little fun fact. Yes. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So common complications include diarrhea and a lot of secondary infections, like mm-hmm. ear infections, mm-hmm. sinus infections, pneumonia. Um, less commonly, you can get seizures, blindness, or meningitis. Um, so these more serious symptoms are due to something called a measles-induced immunosuppression. So- do you know anything about this? You, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Talk, so, and then I will say yes or no. <laughs> so measles-induced immunosuppression is both very fascinating and very terrifying. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. So one of the most unique and most dangerous features of measles is its ability to reset to the immune system yes. of infected patients. Okay. Yes. So what happens during the acute phase of the illness, measles virus replaces – 
old memory cells of the immune mm-hmm. system with new measles virus specific yes, this is why measles is actually really really dangerous on some yes. level okay Very yeah correct. got it got it i got don't it. think enough people yes. know about this yes this is terrifying yes absolutely terrifying. so this is called immune amnesia um so in the end so when the, by the time you're done being sick with measles um you have very strong immunity to measles, but essentially no immunity to any other pathogen. Mm. So any cold you had, mm-hmm. any anything you had made immunity to, mm-hmm. gone. Um, so to put this in perspective, examination of the child mortality rates in the US, UK, and Denmark in the decades before and after the introduction of the measles vaccine revealed that nearly half of all childhood deaths from infectious disease could be related to the measles virus. What? Yes. Half? Yes. Fuck, dude. So this means infections other than measles resulted in death. But, me- but, but if they hadn't had measles, measles it, it was from the measles. Fuck. Yeah, Fuck. the immune amnesia. Dude, that sucks. It's crazy. So when you look at death rates from measles, it's actually not an accurate number because you're looking at only people who died from measles. Yes. So it's not like if It's you- not taking into account someone who died six months later from enterovirus like a stomach bug or something Mm, because they had mm -hmm. literally no immunity to it so if you look at yes yes. we should be more afraid of measles yes it is fucking terrifying because obviously measles is not great you don't want to get measles but then measles can be deadly but it's actually like the scary thing about it is this and i think you're going to talk a little bit more about this absolute fucking piece of human trash i am not a ton so say whatever you need to say so this is why i feel Still so mad about all that um, MMR. MMR causing autism, fake news, like that whole scandal. Because, you know, we live in a time where we are privileged to not literally tr- – I mean, now I think everybody's getting a wake-up call with COVID, being like, hmm. Everybody? I don't know about everybody. Well, most people. <laughs> like, this is what the world looks like yeah. without one vaccine. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. We've talked about that before. This yeah. is what the world looks like without one vaccine. Without one vaccine, this is what the world looks like. And now people are being picky. She's like, oh, I don't want to get that. Oh, but cause- also, like, here's the thing. Your child dying from, like, some preventable disease is not a better thing to happen than your – it doesn't cause autism. But even if it did, autism is not – No. Like – A fate worse than death. Correct. Like, right. Like, you have a better chance of survival having autism than getting measles. Yeah. <laughs> and-, and And most children who have autism, like, are – like figure out ways to function and like absolutely like you can live a full and even then like it's still a child that deserves a life even like we're not eugenicists no we are not (laughs) i would like to say officially (laughs) i am in fact not a eugenicist you what about you i'd like Uh, you to put in your your... (laughs) i am not too (laughs) so uh, that's yes it's just, just like have to say that yeah fuck that shit so this like false, I mean, and I have to share, like, I don't remember exactly when Andrew Wakefield, is that his name? Yes. I didn't even really want to say his name because I hate him so much, but I I don't really remember exactly when that research came out, research. I do talk a little bit about it. But I remember, and like me, I'm a person, I'm a pediatric nurse. I mm-hmm. take care of kids who die from pertussis, yeah. kids who have come in, like refugees who've been in the ICU. I mean, with- you, you were, you are no longer at bedside, but you no. were a pediatric ICU nurse in one of the best hospitals in this country. So right. you saw 
every fucking thing and you could see. Even with that, Rachel, I remember driving. I vividly remember in my car driving to the pediatrician's office with little Ben in the back mm-hmm. going and I was there. I was going to get his. You're scared. And I literally was like, should I get it? Like, yeah. what if this is, what if there's something to it? Am I making the right decision? I mean, I brought his ass in there and got him vaccinated, yeah, yes. but I was scared even of me, making, like I know, even it, me, yes. like if yes. I could have been swayed. Yeah. Think about all the people yeah. who actually truly were. And yeah. I'm someone who's like, give me all the vaccines. I mm-hmm. trust it. I believe it. I don't even ask. I never once had those conversations with my pediatrician because I'm like, I've seen where I've seen kids, I've seen parents um, with their kids on life support because they were, you know, from the flu or something. Yeah. Like I remember this one really sweet family we took care of. None of her kids were vaccinated for anything. She had four kids or three or four kids. Her baby was in the ICU on life support. This was during um, 2009, H1N1. Yeah, oh, okay. it was really bad that year. Um, and she was very, quote, crunchy, like, yes. you know. All the homeopathics. She's yeah, very yeah, yeah. kind and sweet. And I remember taking care of her baby. And before her baby survived, he good pulled through. And yeah. but he was on like it I mean, looks like have, a, there are life there are long term consequences. That, like survival is not. But like, let me okay, tell you, blah, yeah, la la la. She, I remember we were lifting his sedation, and she was like, no, "I want to get him fully vaccinated." Like she, before we lifted all of his sedation, we gave this baby like. But this is eight the problem with COVID too. All these people are literally like on, like getting on a vent, like, "Oh, I should have gotten the vaccine," and I'm like, "It's, it's too fucking late, bro." Okay. Normalize changing your opinion when you learn yes. more information. That's what I would like people to take away from this. Is yes. like even this be open to like be open new to like this parent who. You know, her baby almost died from the flu. All of her older kids, she got them all caught up on their vaccines. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm sure to this day. I mean, this was 10 years ago now. I mean, I mean, could you ever forgive yourself? No. I mean, she literally said that. She's like, my baby didn't have to go through. Like, no. I remember st- sitting in there, like, you know, doing my work, trying to be like, and I didn't have kids at that time. I mean, I wasn't a mom yet. Not that you have to be, but. It's harder. It is harder once you're a parent. Because yeah. you really do think, like, like we talked about with Megan, like, you would take like a million bullets for your kid. Mm-hmm. Like if they just had to not experience any mm-hmm. pain, you would be laying in that ICU bed if you for could real. exchange. Yeah. Um, oh my God. What were we even talking about? All right. <laughs> Let's talk about the measles vaccine. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> so it is attenuated. We talked about that a weekend version of the live virus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's available as a single vaccine, but most of our kids get it in the MMR, which is the measles, mumps, and rubella. It's like mm-hmm. a combination they now have the MMRV, so they added varicella in there, so chicken pox. So some kids will get the MMRV at 12 months. So you don't get the varicella vaccine until 12 months, so yes. they kind of mix and match. <laughs> I think you get one or two MMRs. Yes, there's there's a booster to and it. Then you I get, do actually know that I think for you my get child. four total, but I think like they throw in the MMRV at 12 months because that's when you can get varicella. Okay. It doesn't really matter. Um, it's not given before nine months of age due to the poor immune response of mm-hmm. infants, but in areas around the world where measles is still pretty prolific, they do give it right at nine yeah, months. Yeah, because it's better to better to get the vaccine yeah. and get like some immunity and then boost them later. Um, so one dose you get about ninety three percent immunity. The two doses you get ninety seven percent. Before the widespread use of vaccines, there was a saying that getting measles was as inevitable as death in taxes. I yeah. mean, everybody I got mean, measles. It, measles has a very high, like, infectious rate, right? Yeah, it's very contagious. It's, um... What is it, the r not? Is that what that is? Yeah, I don't put it in here. I If we ever do a fact check. <laughs> it is. It's very <laughs> contagious. Oh, no, it's very bad. It's um, It's airborne, so it lives in the air. 
Yeah, so you could go and into a room after And it lives in the air a long time. Yeah. You're jogging a memory, yes. But, like, if you go into – like, this is – I do contact tracing now. That's, like, my current role as a nurse is I'm doing COVID contact tracing. But we've been getting – because of, like, the high rate of refugees coming in from other countries right yes. now, we are also doing some measles contact tracing because yes. a lot of – Yeah. We haven't yeah, had yeah, any yeah, outbreaks, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Listen, as people are getting caught up on but vaccines – that's the point. Right. To get ahead of it. <laughs> right. Exactly. So like we just have, but the thing with measles and this has not happened, but just an example, like let's say my child has measles. Mm-hmm. We go to Target. We walk around Target. We leave Target. You could continue. Everybody in, in Target, Target. Okay. is now yes. like a contact because yes. it lives in the air and it lives yeah. in the air for a long time. Yeah. So that's why measles is super contagious mm-hmm. and it is a very – like I think like for every one person who is sick, I'm – this is – I think the R – like the R not is like 20 to 30. It's like a lot. So a lot of people. Um, I would have to definitely fact check that. But I know it's it's a lot of people. Like COVID is like – the R not is like two or something. Every one person, they give it to two. And then Delta is like – Oh, like yeah. 12. And then Omicron's like, skirt. <laughs> Fuck. I hate everything. <laughs> <sighs> okay, okay, let's um you tell me about the history of something. Okay. <laughs> okay, so um I'm not gonna talk about really so much about the actual development of the vaccine because it's not quite as interesting as I'm gonna go ahead and talk about the issues after. Can I interject with uh Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, I know. I check. said you could do that right. Um so the R naught of measles is twelve to eighteen. I mean it's a so, lot. So yeah, I was almost there. It's a lot. Okay, so please tell me. Okay, so um, John Franklin Enders, who is unfortunately not a science daddy. Oh, mm, no. Mm. He looks like um, from fucking, um, <laughs> oh my God. What? The Adams family, which who? is like the uncle, the one that's like. Oh, Uncle Fez. <laughs> yeah. Fester, Fester. Fester. Oh, yeah, God, he does. Think? He's like a handsome Uncle Fester. <laughs> I love how we have like our own really like little like science horny. <laughs> history horny. History horny. We make crew next to say history <laughs> horny. Yes. Okay. okay. If you are a dedicated listener, should we come out with merch for a season three? I mean, I looked at getting us um, sweatshirts, but I needed to order like a minimum of six. Okay. Is there so I need to like, find people, other people out there? Let us know. <laughs> would want a history Wait, what did you say I, well, I was gonna get one that was just like the logo yes and then i think yucking in history she <laughs> wait what did you just it's literally say history horny <laughs> can we write that down i guess we'll I have it, on write it down when i do my notes okay. Okay. History horny. <laughs> so back to not being horny john franklin enders won the who won the nobel prize <laughs> so sorry this is so unprofessional <laughs> Okay, I will not do that again. Okay, that's fine. Start over. No, I'm keeping that in. <laughs> Please forgive me, I am drunk. <laughs> Go. He won the Nobel Prize for Medicine in 1954 for his work on polio, uh, cultivated the measles virus, and was able to develop an attenuated measles vaccine in 1963. So, okay, he's the one that did that. Whatever. Good job. Okay. So on the eve of the availability of the measles vaccine, CBS worked with the U.S. Public Health Service on a broadcast called, quote, the taming of the virus. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of this was to create support for the vaccination. Um, The broadcast focused on West Africa, where measles killed one in five children, six and under. Holy shit. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that's because of, like, supportive care. Like, 
I don't think it's a more deadly strain there. It's probably that like yeah, kids just, just like, had other issues and were not able to get like hospitalized yeah, or whatever. Just like lack of supportive care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was strategic because in the U.S. the mortality rate was one in five hundred thousand and was often seen as a trivial disease of childhood. Um, by focusing on what the U.S. could do as a superpower, quote unquote, to help the rest of the world, like this benevolence of the U.S., mm-hmm. um, they aim to change the attitudes about the need for vaccination in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, kind of like trying to trick people into yes. getting vaccinated. Hey, look over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, at this point, the CDC started uh, the case for measles eradication. Smallpox, polio, and diphtheria had been almost eradicated from the U.S. at Mm -hmm. at this point. I mean, this was used as a model for measles. And measles seemed an easy target. It had no chronic carriers and no animal reservoirs. Mm -hmm. Which, like, so you can't continue to give the disease. You can't, yeah, yeah, like, get an animal reservoir. Or, like, that you can continually shed the virus for, right? right. Um, it was also believed at the time that herd immunity could be achieved with 55% vaccination rates, which is not actually true. I was going to say no. No. <laughs> but at the Wrong. time. But when they were, like, developing this yeah. plan, they thought. Okay, whatever. Um, so in an effort to keep vaccination rates up, um, JFK, general vaccination rates up, JFK signed the Vaccination Assistance Act in 1962. And this directed funds for immunization efforts. Um, and in 1967, LBJ renewed this program and added measles specifically to the program. Okay. Um, within the year, weekly cases of measles fell from an average of uh, 1,000 cases to uh, 200 cases. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dag. So the average number of measles cases in 1968 was 22,000 versus 450,000 per year um, Damn. before it, pre-vaccine. Wow. Um, but unfortunately, those numbers slowly crept up over the next few years. Under Nixon, who we've established before as a fucking dickhead, <laughs> uh, funding for the vaccinations fell. Mm. Vaccines were primarily being administrated through private practice. Mm. And whose patients are private practice? Patients who are primarily middle and upper class right. patients. So due to this, measles became primarily a disease of the poor and of BIPOC. Hmm. So it became so like white upper middle class and could wealthy. afford. Yes, and get we're the we're just like going to private practice. Like right. their primary. Yeah. Yes. And like when people who, yeah, I mean, yes, it's not great. So many things. Yes. So, um, in the early seventies, focus shifted from uh, shifted to school mandates. So public health officials championed these laws. Um, and a case was made in Texarkana, which is divided in half. Half is in Texas and half is in Arkansas. Arkansas required vaccination and Texas did not. The rate of measles was 12 times higher in Texas in hmm. the same city. It's almost like vaccinations work. Hmm. Wait, can I interject with a yes. hypothetical question? Yes. Simon hypothetical. Do you think they will mandate COVID vaccines for schools? I mean, it seems yes. like all of these other vaccines that has been, yes. like you saw I, them in smallpox, yes. you saw I it do. in measles. Um, it's going to be a fight because what's going to happen probably is six states. Like Pennsylvania, I think by next year they will require it in Maybe Pennsylvania. Maybe next school year? Yes. I think by next school year they will require it in places when like they Pennsylvania, require New York. It for Pennsylvania, for Philly public schools, you have to get it if you're teachers. playing. No, sports. Oh, sports. But Philly is different than the state. That's so true. So you can, yeah. Philly is more liberal. Right. Has whatever. Yeah. As a generally a much higher vaccination rate than the rest of the state. 
I think next year probably the state will require it. There'll be some pushback. They'll, you know, California, New York, New Jersey, places like that will require it. Colorado, whatever. And then there's places like Texas, which is like a giant bag of dicks. I mean, I'm from <laughs> Texas. And it's crazy because there is such a – there is – it's such a dividing line. There is like a lot of really amazing progressive people. Right. I feel like – And then there's this like razor-thin majority of people who are fucking psychotic. Like right. it's not even just like, listen, <laughs> we like Reagan. You know what I mean? You're fucking crazy people. Now like, my liberty to kill my fucking kids. <laughs> I That's how it feels to me. I love your rants. <laughs> I, mean, I love Texas. So genuine. I really do wish I could move back to Texas, but it is <laughs> getting harder to, yes, to do justify. that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, in 1977, Jimmy Carter's National Childhood Immunization Initiative gave federal funding to states to encourage mass vaccinations and asked governors to ensure their immunization laws covered all recommended vaccines, including polio, diphtheria, pertussis, tetanus, mumps, rubella, and measles. Okay. Um, this initiative, uh, initiative brought immunization rates of school, school children to 96% by the end of his term. Let's talk about the differences. What is, you may know, what is the difference between JFK, LBJ, Jimmy Carter versus Nixon? You're literally asking me this? Can you think of one thing that would divide those people? <laughs> Democrats versus Republicans. Okay. Yes. Fuck Republicans. <laughs> sure. That's, I mean, truly. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the proof is in the pudding here. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> so in 1971, the measles vaccine was combined with mumps and rubella vaccines. Um, and after the introduction of the MMR vaccine, the number of measles cases dropped between um, between 22 and 75,000 cases per year. But in the mid-1980s, that number, um, by the mid-1980s, not but in the, by the mid-1980s, that number had decreased to 4,000 cases per year. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, by the end of Jimmy Carter's mm -hmm. um, term. In the 1980s, uh, with the most serious childhood il illnesses in the past, parents started to question the need for mass vaccinations across the board. Um, the 1982 NBC News doc Vaccine Roulette focused on pertussis as part of the pertussis, diphtheria pertussis tetanus vaccine. Mm-hmm. It showed doctors in disagreement and parents dealing with vaccine-injured children. Mm -hmm. I'm doing my quotes. Um, giving a voice to parents who were worried about vaccination and inspiring a vaccine, um, uh, inspiring vaccine safety advocacy. Dissatisfied parents together, DT, I'm sorry, DPT um, for short. Dissatisfied parents together was yes. what they came up with? Yes. I mean, they're dissatisfied together. Did they not take anything away from Mothers Against Drunk Driving? Yes. Nah. Well, no, what was the other one that was a really good? I don't remember what it was. It was like, whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, which is now the National Vaccine Information Center. Okay. So that seems like a legit name. It is not. Okay. Okay. They worked to win the passage of the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. And this required the federal government to inform parents of vaccine benefits and risks. Risks required vaccine providers to report vaccine injuries to federal authorities and establish the National Vaccine Inquiry Comp Compensation Program. Hmm. Okay. So across the country, local organizations formed to take aim at laws requiring vaccinations in school. 
They called for and were able to get personal and religious exemptions. Mm. Mm-hmm. This I'm, all these fucking people under Reagan. More I mean, listen. Yes. There are a certain very small percentage. Very small percentage. Who will have legitimate vaccine related side effects. You might okay. get a fever. That fever may cause a seizure. You may have swelling redness paint like there are people who will have side effects that are very significant very small amount of people mm-hmm. and listen that's not nothing if that's your kid it it's obviously devastating to your family but and but the number of people who are vaccine injured like you feel like you're like oh my kid got the mmr and four months later they had they died from SIDS. and not to say that that's not like horrific or whatever right but like they didn't that's not from your vaccine correct and i think I think it's easy to, and like, here's another thing that is we're seeing with COVID, like, especially with, I mean, you're having a huge population of people all getting a vaccine at the same time. So now there's like, I mean, you'll see people who will, you know, these quote unquote studies or Mm -hmm. information or data saying like, oh, the COVID vaccine causes infertility. It causes seizures, this and that. There is an underlying amount of people in the year that are going to have a seizure, that are going to have correlation versus causation. So when you're taking toddlers who are prone to febrile seizures, who mm-hmm. are prone to yes, other other, other maybe possibly mysterious illnesses. Correct. Yeah. It's difficult to suss out exactly, you know, was it 100% from that vaccine mm-hmm. or is there other factors at play? And sometimes when you can't be sure, you have to say, well, we can't rule it out. Yes. It is a vaccine injury. And I don't deny that. I mean, it does. There are people who it happens to. Your face is denying it. I'm trying to like try lightly because. You're also trying to be kind. I get it. But here's the thing. Truly. Risk benefit. Yes. And kind of like what Liz said, how she was talking to John, Mm -hmm. how this is for your community. And listen, when I get my kids vaccinated, when I was driving Ben to the doctor that day, when I was feeling vulnerable, even in my heart, I'm like, okay. I still want him to be vaccinated. Yeah. I still believe in public health. Yeah. I still believe mm-hmm. that this is something yeah, for those who can't, yes. those who I are mean, sick. I mean, said before, like this rugged individualism is a cancer right. to the American society. Like if we don't give a fuck about each other, then we are doomed to fail. Like the yeah. society cannot continue the way it is. Right. Like it, and because I have like, there are lots of things in my life that like I will never experience, but like I have to do things to try to protect the people around me who will experience. I mean, think about it. We talk about public health. Yes. Public is the first word. Yes. Yes. You would like to keep your community healthy. We want to keep our schools open. We want to keep our public transit open. Mm -hmm. We want to keep people in service jobs working. I mean, all of these things rely on public health and safety. Mm -hmm. And if everybody turns a blind eye and they're like, well, I'm not personally worried about measles. So I'm not personally worried about smallpox. But but every person who's like denying vaccine on some level, like it is correct. The conversation is never about I'm it's never, ever, 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 ever. I've never heard one person say like, I don't think this is what's best for the community. It's always about like what I, 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 Mm -hmm. I, 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 I. And am I willing me as a mom, me as a nurse, me as a whatever, am I willing to take on that risk of that point? 1% 1% that my child could actually develop a true vaccine yes. injury. I am. And I, yes, I, I mean, I, I tell Cameron all the time, the most important thing in the world is to be kind. 
Right. And that's part of kindness is not is being kind to other people for the sake of being kind to other people. Taking care of other people right. is the most important thing. Above being smart, mm-hmm. above being funny, above yeah. being good looking, yeah. uh, above whatever. Like, be a good citizen. Be a good Just member of community. Be kind. So speaking of not kind people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we went on a very, In, very large yeah, tangent no. there. <laughs> In 1998, the medical journal, The Lancet, in the medical journal, The Lancet, Andrew Wakefield published an article claiming the link between the MMR vaccine and autism. Mm. This article reignited the debate on vaccine safety, particularly uh, particular concerns over the use of thimerosal. Is that how you say it? The Marisol, yeah. Yeah, um, which is a mercury-based preservative. Mm-hmm. Multiple studies concluded and reviewed by the Institute of Medicine and the CDC showed absolutely no link between the vaccines or the Marisol and autism. The Marisol, yeah. The Marisol. But the damage had been done. Right. And in 2010, Lancet retracted Wakefield's Wait, paper. what year was it? 2010? Okay, so Ben was born in 2012, was, so it was like no, ben was not born. 13. Yes. I've conceived him in 2012. <laughs> I was, okay, I was basically pregnant the entire year of 2013. Yeah, you conceived him in 2013 and you gave birth to him in 2013. <laughs> yeah, married in 2012. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Why am I telling you this? I don't know. This is not great for me. Yeah, I mean, and like so they like don't that, use that anymore in vaccines anyways because of this. Even though it like literally caused no Yes, but they were like, They're it's like- easier to just get rid of it than to fucking have this conversation anymore. Yeah, I mean, this guy was toxic. They they took his license away, which is like not easy to do. Like not all, not no. everybody. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Doctors can make big errors and still practice. <laughs> Okay, so where are we now? Measles reached their lowest number yet in 2016, but unfortunately has been on the rise ever since. Um, 2020 saw the highest number of cases in 23 years, which is due to... Basically, 23 years yeah. is... You're looking right at yep. the MMR uh, Lancet comp thing. That, and that's literally... In 1998, that's 23 years. Yep. Um, a lot of it is also due to the disruptions of primary care with COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people were skipping out on their primary care visits mm-hmm. and I was working in primary care when COVID hit and it was huge trying to get, to convince families to come in and yeah. get their vaccines. Yeah, I mean, nobody scary. wanted, and I didn't blame them. I mean, yes. so they're like, my risk of getting pertussis right now is I'm much less scared of that than. Right. But during 2020, more than 22 million infants missed their first dose of the COVID va- or of the measles vaccine, um, which is crazy. That's a, I mean, so the primary care practice that I was working for, they set up like basically like a vaccine drive throughs mm-hmm. and they would, nurses yeah, just to get would come in. out in full PPE, like mask, yeah, gown, gloves, goggles, walk to your car, open yeah. the door, give your baby the vaccine and you would drive away. I mean, they weren't even doing yeah, they were just like you would that. basically you do like, like a yeah, virtual visit. visit and then they would say, okay, come in tomorrow. Yeah. And they would do like a vaccine drive through because we were like yeah, begging I mean, people. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. To come in because we were wanted more to scared keep, of COVID than they were. People were more scared of COVID. And I remember one of the doctors, I was talking to them because they gave us like this big initiative. Like if we noticed that somebody was late on their vaccines, mm-hmm. like it was part of our they were telling us, like, you have to start talking to these families yeah. about coming in and getting caught up. And I was um talking to one of the doctors about it and I'm like yeah like what's going on like this seems to be like a big push what's your thoughts and they were like um you know we're very worried about COVID right now mm-hmm. and I don't want to also be worrying about pertussis and measles 
and all these other illnesses. Like, yeah. let's only worry about one thing. Like, let's make sure we don't also have measles outbreaks. And as you can see here, yeah, it's back up on the rise because Ugh, there's, you know, terrible. which is just interesting. Like, you know, as soon as you pull back on those vaccines, you're going to see breakthrough cases because yeah. it's yeah. not eradicated, right? No. Like, yeah, measles is not it's eradicated. It's not eradicated. We still see it. Yes. And it, we see it in like a lot of our, communities like, that yes. don't get vaccines. And also, like, in the U.S., like, those rates are much lower. But, like, there are places all over the world that still have large, ca- like, case rates. I mean, to be fair, like, measles, whatever, I was always like, hmm. But once I really truly learned about this yeah. immune amnesia, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, <laughs> that is – It's terrifying. Terrifying. That's terrifying. I mean, you basically start out – then you have a child who's – of the age where they're putting things in their mouth, yeah. they're in school, they're yeah. around all these other germs. And I mean, it's one thing to have no immune system when you're two weeks old, when your whole entire world is like yeah. a boob or a bottle, right? You're not going anywhere. When you have no immune system, basically yeah. your immune system is wiped clean from measles. And, you're and now you're in kids. a bunch of other yeah. kids. They're sneezing in your face and sharing like yeah. whatever. Like you're going to get sick and you're going to get sick as hell. Yeah. That is really terrifying. I mean, poof. What have we done here? I don't know. Are you ready to? What are we even talking about anymore? I don't... <laughs> okay. Let's listen to our last. Um... Let's listen to Claire's. Yes. Claire's uh, submission. Okay. I would say the thing that I miss the most, I think a lot about my my youngest child who is three and a half. Um, you know, when COVID hit, she was around 18 months and sort of just getting to the age where she could, um, you know, sort of get out and explore and do things with other kids and that came to a screeching halt for us. And then the other thing that was, I think, the most difficult um, for me was my oldest missing her kindergarten year. She didn't um, go back in person until March. And then, of course, there's the lost time with grandparents. We really didn't see my parents or my husband's mom much during that time unless it was outside. And, you know, we went from a very hands-on relationship where we spent a lot of time together to you know, very carefully calculated outdoor hangs. And it was, it was really tough. Um, you know, we can't get either of those times back. You know, I can't give my daughter her kindergarten year back and I I can't get that time back with grandparents who are getting older every day. Um, you know, I I don't even think about the things that I've missed because it just doesn't matter as much as those things in, in a way. So, um, yeah. So kindergarten year and, you know, my, for my youngest, really getting to do fun things like going to play arts and going to please touch and doing all those little young toddler activities, um, you know, really the biggest things. So, um, how did I explain the COVID vaccine to my oldest? She's six. Uh, we just basically told her she was getting the shot. You know, she understands as she calls it the virus and COVID, uh, pretty well as much as a six year old can. And we were fortunate enough to be able to get an appointment with her best friend. And I think that really helped distract her because we'd had the flu shot a few weeks earlier, which required uh, my husband and a nurse to be very patient and maybe a little bit of holding her in place to get that done. So it seems the COVID um, vaccine went really well and she didn't require too much explanation. She sort of understood why it was important and was, you know, pretty willing to do it. Um... Question four about one child being old enough for the vaccine and one who is um, too young. That's our situation right now. My six-year-old is 
um, had her first shot. She's getting the second one on Sunday. And my younger child is three, so she's not quite there yet. And it just feels like we're so close yet so far away. Um, we're in a bit of a holding pattern. You know, there's still certain things that we're not doing, you know, large indoor gatherings where people are wearing masks, um, you know, all those things that, um, you know, we used to do without too much thinking. And we're we're still putting travel plans on hold for next year until she's got her vaccine. Um, <laughs> both kids really want to go to Disney, but sadly said when COVID's over. So as silly as that is. I think, uh, you know, like trips like those typical childhood trips, we're, we're still putting those off until both kids have shots in arms. And, you know, then, of course, there's a new variant coming. So we'll have to see what happens with that. It's <laughs> every time I think we're making progress, it's like two steps forward, one step back or whatever it is, or one step forward, two steps back. It's just sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know what the future holds. So, um. And, you know, number seven, what are the, some of the things that I can't wait to do once my kids are all vaccinated? I, you know, I come from a really big family and my mom's one of eight and just the large family gatherings that were such a staple of my childhood and to my entire adult life. Um, I haven't really felt comfortable doing those kinds of gatherings um, unless they're outdoors. And even then it's kind of tricky. So I'm hoping to be able to get back to that. And then, of course, traveling and Really, I would just <laughs> love to be able to, you know, be spontaneous again, to be able to have playdates and do all the things that, um, you know, make childhood fun. I feel like that's been taken away. And every time I go out, I, I look around, and I see adults who are out at restaurants or getting drinks or traveling or doing whatever. And I can't help but think like life went back to quote unquote normal for adults so long ago compared to how it's been for kids and you know, adults have gotten everything back, not everything, but a lot back that they used to enjoy. And kids still are in this, this holding pattern where they can't be, you know, totally spontaneous and normal like they used to be. I mean, I guess some people are more, you know, COVID casual than others, but I think most people are still sort of nervous and, and waiting and hoping that, um, you know, we'll finish out these vaccines and will be, you know, not back to normal, but creeping back toward normal at some point. Um, thank you very much. And I look forward to hearing the podcast. Damn. <sighs> I, I, you know what? I, I uh, feel so much anger. That triggered a lot of feelings. I feel a lot of anger towards the adults that, you're right. I've gone to quite, quote unquote back to normal. I didn't think of it like that. And I'm <laughs> you really, haven't thought about it? Really I think up, that all the time. I'm really upset. I'm very angry. I'm really angry. Yes. So it's so true. Like a lot of grownups have gotten their lives back. Yes. And I'm like in this uh, yeah. stage where we're still not. Begging your, your poor children to like just give up a little more. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to ask little kids to give up so much. <laughs> When it when there's people like walking around, I, I mean, traveling, going yes. on vacation, I mean, like yeah, I've gone on vacation, so I should be like, but well, no, but like, I mean, it's like, yes. another thing to do. Like, no, um, no I, I, another yes. thing Claire said that I'm not ready to deal with. <laughs> These feelings are saved for a therapist in like five years. <laughs> yes, in 2025, <laughs> is the lost year of school. I know I'm not ready to deal with those feelings. They are 
the hardest feelings for me to like yeah. deal with because and, I mean you it's just like we one day like literally we're like well maybe we'll see you in a couple weeks and then we just I mean my son had the best kindergarten teacher I know. we adored his kindergarten year yeah. and he just came home one day and never went yes. back and, and we never... had the best like preschool situation yes. I mean I'm I'm more upset about, <laughs> about play school. Play school. I at least get to redo. I know you get a redo. I'm like, do I have a third baby just to do play school? But by then it'll be like the helper shifts for Colin. <laughs> I literally texted Chris. I was like, in it, please don't feel weird about asking me to like help. Cause I'm like, I know there was this whole year of Emerson's life where she just was home. I know. And she missed a whole year of preschool where she needed it. I and know. like, that well, loss, but, like I gave up a lot of things, but I have like a long life, right? Yes. Like and a you year, also, you have perspective. I have perspective, and a year of me losing, like going to wine and cheese and going yeah. to, you know, whatever yes. it may be. Yeah, go to Johnny Brenda's. Johnny Brenda's, <laughs> right? Like doing our yeah. like little whatever the hell the hell we do. Yeah. Like I, I will get over it, but I can't give back my kids' year that no. she was three and four, and she couldn't go to school. And she was just home with me and you and Mary, <laughs> which was great. I mean, she yeah. did. That but was, it, it wasn't. That's not what we any of us would have chosen. That is such a loss. I know that I'm truly like every time I feel those feelings, I'm like it, 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 go back down. Yeah, but like that's so tied into like the anger for me mm-hmm. at adults. Like my mom even said something the other day about like not have like she's like you know not wanting to wear masks at. The grocery store, which she has been this whole time. And I was just like, and I said to her, I was like, you know, I feel mad when I see other adults out and about not wearing masks because I don't know. I don't know what your vaccination status is. And I was like, it has caused me to squirrel away in my own home. Right? Like, because anytime I go out in public in a situation, like, if it's just me, like, we've gone and sat outside and eaten a couple times or whatever. Even, like, Leo and I went and had dinner and they asked us for vaccination cards and we sat inside. Fine. That was the two of us. We went somewhere like because right, you're felt fully like vaccinated. But when you're bringing the kids out, but like I can't go to fucking Target. I can't go to the grocery store with Colin. You mean? Yeah, because I I he's not vaccinated, and I walk around and I see all these people that I'm like, I don't fucking know you. Yeah, I don't know what your status is. Right, you could have been sick yesterday. Like you, could I don't be sick know if now. you're vaccinated. I don't know if you're living your best personal liberty life. I'm mad. Yeah, because it it restricts me to my home so much. In and a like way. what Claire said, like. Her yeah. little one was at that age yeah. where, like, you can finally start just leaving really, the house yes. and, like, in, like, a purposeful way like, for them. Going know, out and doing oh, – R.I.P., I know. It's, like, such a staple yeah. of, like, our How big How dare kids. they try to survive the pandemic and <laughs> change <make> their model? <laughs> this is, like, no, a very, I like, know. niche this group is, of people yes. will know what we're talking about. But, um, you know, like, uh, that yes. is such a loss. And it's, like, yeah. I keep thinking about – Well, it's funny. I just thought to – like that 18 month, like that's where Claire's daughter is started, but that's what Colin is now. Right now. Yeah. It's really. And he doesn't fucking know hardly anybody. Right. He's been in his whole entire life has been. I mean, he was born. He's basically been inside this house 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah. His whole world is like this house yes. and like three no places. No he's a fucking terror. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, fuck this actual house. <laughs> Get me out of here. I am an extrovert. Please. Let's yeah, go he's like, this is not my life path. No. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Should we take a- say something else? I was just going to say, like, I haven't, 
I know that we keep saying the kids are so resilient and like they'll bounce back and they absolutely will. But I think we just need to take a moment to acknowledge how much much they have actually given up. Yes. Have given up. Like I know grownups are like, well, I hate working from home. I can't travel. I can't go out to dinner. I feel like every grownup I know is like, can I never go back to a (laughs) goddamn office again? But yeah, some people do hate it. But like, you know, I feel like adults are like, I can't go to concerts. I can't do this and that. I'm like, I'm sorry. These kids are giving up their kindergarten year. These kids are giving up uh, their last year of preschool. These kids are giving up never going to play arts. Colin doesn't know any other small children. Like the other people like we've potted for Cameron's sake. Right. But none of you guys have little kids. Yeah. We don't have any babies that he can play with. Right. I know. So, I mean, I just think, I just think we should take a break. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> so let's just leave it on a sad note. Goodbye. <laughs> that was it. Bye. <laughs> no. See you never. You know, one thing I did want to say, this is like just – it kind of popped into my brain again when we are talking about the MOR. Um, when I was pregnant with Colin, um, you get like all your – was it titers? Yeah. Is that what it's called? And I no longer was immune to rubella, oh, no. remember? <laughs> That's right. You had to get your so, rubella yeah. vaccine before you left the hospital. So literally at the hospital, they're like, so you want to get the vaccine today? I was like, yes, please sure. give it to me. <laughs> I'm sure otherwise, like, I probably would have I'm never come back. I'm literally get. like, I need to go to the OB. I need to go to the dentist. I need to go to my primary <laughs> care. I need to go get my elbow checked out. And I was like, just make doctor's appointments. I was like, yeah, how do I do that, though? <laughs> I know. So. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know if I'm immune to everything anymore. Well, you were probably when you were pregnant, pregnant. with Emerson. Yeah, because they, they probably checked them all. Yes. Well, good luck to me then. Hopefully, <laughs> I still do. Hopefully, you're still immune to measles. <laughs> I hope so. If nothing else. If nothing else. Well, this was a fun episode. I enjoyed it. a great it. season. I really loved it. I was thinking, I was like, I love like this. Do you have like a favorite episode? Hmm. I wasn't prepared to answer that. I know. It just popped in my brain. I just cut you um, off. You were just like what you were about to say. My favorite episode from the season, I really liked our birth control and abortion episode. I did too. That was really. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe was my favorite. I really liked the moral panic episode too. I mean, I absolutely loved moral panic and. For different reasons. But I think maybe those were my two favorite. I really think like there was just something I feel like we hit the stride in abortion. This was something like both of us feel passionate about like. I like abortion rights. was. I didn't feel so much like. I mean, obviously, it was a really hard episode to do, but I feel, like, very empowered by it. Like, it did give me – We also got some funny, weird things in there, which I know (laughs) you like. I just really liked – It just – It was equal parts, like, fun history and also, like, just empowering to research and talk about. And I I don't know. I feel like this season took a very, like, feminist turn, which, like, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here for it. Yes. Um, Hopefully, you're here for it, too, if you're still listening – you are probably on the same bandwagon as yes, us. And we're, we're, we're striving for intersectionality and <laughs> feminism at all times. I mean, truly, like, but I think, I also think, like, one of the things that, like, COVID has crystallized is, like, you you really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you have to fight for what you feel passionate mm-hmm. about. And, yeah. like, there's no time to fuck around with all of that. Yeah. What about you? What was your favorite? Episode? I agree. Just I think, moral panic yeah. and abortion. Well, I think abortion, for those same reasons, like, abortion felt very, like, hit all the things that were really good, like mm-hmm. funny and 
serious and Mm -hmm. we both got like really passionately into that yeah and then i think moral panic was like i really like the direction like the mystery episode was fun but i feel like the moral panic episode Mm -hmm. like we're like we're like oh this is a whole other direction we can Mm -hmm. take with this yes and so I think those two things. I think like, it kind of switched kind of gears of how we can look at parenting history. And yes, I really. And how we can talk about like what we want to do with this podcast. And yeah. after that, I feel like we both were like, ooh, we could do an episode about this. We can do an episode mm-hmm. about this. Like there were sort of. That's like, why I'm so excited about this yes. little document we have about season three. <laughs> I know, it I is. Keep, I'll see like Maggie topics. Like episode, <laughs> uh, I keep adding topics. and like yes. editing it. Yeah. And I just think it's like, I don't know. So. Let us know what you think. Yeah. I'd love to hear what your favorite episodes or yeah. moments or pieces of information Listen, or something. Listen, this is as much your podcast as ours because is we it? have like literally like 52 <laughs> listeners. That's Maybe not we true. have more. But like – We've had like 7,000 listens total to the podcast. I mean – That some, makes me feel great. Are people listening to this? Well, I mean – Whatever, I just—I mean, it's listen, something I I really am enjoying, and so like any feedback I get always makes me I'd happy. I love like I was my brother um is like a, a business business business. I was business, like trying business. to think of the word. I was like, what is the word for that? B- business daddy. Business daddy. He is like the <laughs> most business minded. Yes, advertise like that's not me. It's not me either. I'm not good at that. And he was like, Maggie, what did you say the other day? He was like. Maggie, like, what do you even want this? Because he's trying to get us to like, he's like, oh, I can market yeah, you. I can do this. For me, this is basically just like, I really enjoy doing the research. I like hearing yes. what angle you come up with. I said to him, I was like, David, I just want this to be like a fun little grassroots yes. story. Like, yes. if we end up having listeners and people like it, yes, amazing. If it's like our- Just an echo chamber of the two of 65 us. 65 people who are like, <laughs> yay, yay, yay. And it's all of our friends. I'm like, great, yeah, too. I agree. So if you're part of our little grassroots yeah, thank you guys for here. everything. Thanks for listening. This has been great. We've loved this season. I feel like the first season is like my firstborn. Like I will love it no matter what. <laughs> Can do no wrong. Oh, what? The second's better? The second was just, no. The second was like wild and crazy, like yes. did its own thing. And like, I don't know. What are we going to do? The third we're going to ignore. And <laughs> I don't know. What do you do with your third kid? Just lay them on the ground. Yeah. Let them go sleep. You let them do whatever the hell you want. That's going to be our season three. We're going to just kind of. Let it be whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we say we're a parenting history podcast, but I think some of the topics I'm like, could you say that they're all related to parenting? And I say, yes. Like anything that happens. I am a parent is related to me. Ipso facto. <laughs> yes. Right. Like <laughs> I think you can really look at anything. Like some of our topics that we're looking at in season three, mm-hmm. like they're loosely related to parenting, but also in the sense that like everything you go through in history, like, yeah. you know, what, what people went through yeah. shaped the way they were parents, shaped the way they the next generation reacted to their own 100%. parents, shaped the way they dealt with their children, shaped the yeah. way maybe their family size, like yeah, family planning, like so many things it's so maybe are not so directly related to like this is a parenting topic like you could say mm-hmm. like like we did sleep car training seats. car yeah. seats swaddling swaddling like that stuff is blatantly like yes parents are but doing there's only it. so much we could do of that so we had to like expand our minds into like right. what it and means so to be a parent i welcome right? you to join us in that journey in yes. season three because i think season three is going to be a little bit more I don't know. It's just going to be really we'll fun see. and broad and I'm yes. super pumped on it. Me so too. hopefully we get our sound situation working. I know. Sorry, everyone. We appreciate you listening to it. We do. So, okay. Well, rate, review, subscribe. Yes. Let's get some rates, review, subscribe. So that season three, we have yes. some basis. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. I'm hoping now that this is over, maybe we can make some TikToks to like 
bring people into the fold sure. n- anew. That's besides aquadots. <laughs> aquadots. Aquadots. Listen, we should we should buy some aquadots. We should buy some aquadots. <laughs> we should just have like our shirts. I should have aquadots. aquadots. <laughs> Your grandparents did aquadots. <laughs> Okay, well, All right. Love you. We love you, Granny. See you in season three. We'll see you in season three. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to Keith Griman for his artwork and Avery Davis for his music. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Okay, go. Say it. Your grandparents. Um, what is it? Did what? Did what? Your grandparents did what? Your grandparents did what?